podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Well, hello everybody and welcome to the 390th edition of the Boxing Asylum Podcast. I'm your host Steve Wellings. Joining me on the call, we have Andy Patterson and Ozzy Smith going live on YouTube 8 o'clock every Sunday evening. The Patreon RSS feed updates shortly after the show concludes. You might find us during the week on SoundCloud. We're still there. iTunes as well. Apple Podcasts. Spotify, all these other good places. Not on uh, Amazon Podcasts, though, because it seemed to kick us off for using foul language, apparently. So, um, yeah, we're not on Amazon Podcasts anymore. They said we have to get rid of the foul language and come again. So, fuck them, Andy. We'll, we'll, we'll be done with them, I think. How long did it last, dear? Uh, we lasted a couple of weeks, and it said we have took, taken you off for whatever reason, and I delved into it, and it said foul and vulgar language, apparently. And to rectify this, you can basically stop using language or stop writing certain things. So I said, fuck Amazon Podcasts. <laughs> Yeah, I agree with that one, mate. They just try to stifle free speech, aren't they? Absolutely, man. They want to try, trying to, trying to shut us down as best as they can. We will not be silenced. Neither will the boys in the chat, or the girls, or whatever else you identify as. You wouldn't know these days. Leroy Guts is hanging around there. JG, Jim McDonald, boxing. Adam Hughes. Shout out to Eggy Phil, Alan, Chris Bray, JG. Who else have we got? If I'm missing you out, then many apologies, Matthew. As well, is there Matthew Russell just scrolling on up? Madman. Look at yeah, exactly, Steve Martin. Yeah, a few guys were asking me about the thumbnail this week. Actually, uh, that's the order of the Bean Masons. I was talking to Porky during the week. Get quite a few texts from Porky, and I said he, he said Sky. You know, it's getting too bad at Sky. I says Porky Sky is like a cult. It's like the cult of Sky. It's the cult of the Bean Masons. And Porky thought this was hilarious, so he, he was going with doing a full sketch in one of his shows this week. So shout out to the Bean and the cult of the Bean Masons, Macklin, Bellew, Nelson, all these other boys. There'll be a horse's head on the pillow. Let's get stuck in then, Andy. First of all, what should we go to this weekend? We've watched Kabalowskis, haven't we? We've watched Umar Sadiq. We'll talk about them later. We'll go over to this British Boxing Board of Control show on BT Sport, starting with Anthony Yard against Dex Spellman. Uh, Spellman's a tough, rough, tough, rugged character. We were looking to see what Yard would do with him in comparison to future opponent Lyndon Arthur, and he stopped him in the sixth round. Is that job done pretty much for, for, uh, for Anthony Yard? Did he do what you expected him to do, Andy? Were you impressed by his performance? Yeah, I suppose. I mean, that's what I've come to expect of him, to be honest. Um, I know there are a lot of people kind of going kind of a bit tonto and the stoppage stuff, but to, to me, it, it was taking a bit of a beating Spellman, actually. And to be honest, it, there wasn't really much coming back. He didn't really have much really... Okay, he was, he was pushing it, uh, pushing the fight, sorry. But he didn't really have that pop to really kind of turn... You know, yard to kind of like really back up, cover up, or, or, or hurt him or drop him and stuff. I just thought the way it was going to go, it, it could have turned ugly pretty quick. And you know, Spellman is obviously as as hard. You know, we know his background and stuff, but um, you know, there's no point in the guy just taking a, an absolute needless beating and then just like you know taking years of his career. So at least he gets to fight another day. Um, he can get you know maybe get a rematch at some point. Maybe get the loser a a. a Yard against Arthur. That's the fight we expect to happen and stuff. But um, you know, it was it was close in the cards. You know, I I get it. I really do get it. But in the day as well, I just think you know, in the day it was just it was just, just didn't the power levels. I felt. I just I just felt the way it was going. You know, Spellman was kind of you know, teetering as such, but he was going to going to boot the ring. Um, there's no doubt in my mind he would have kept fighting until he got dropped, stopped, knocked out properly or whatever and that. But um. At least with this and stuff, I just think it was it was heading that way. He was going to get a, a bit of bad beating in the end, so I think it was the right call to make, make the stoppage. It's just my opinion, though. Some people might have a different different take on it and stuff, but I just felt it was leading down the path of a bad beating. 
Yeah, I said to Andy there, LZ, um, Deck, we know what we're going to get from Deck. He's 100%, uh, you know, full miles forward, doesn't mess about, gets stuck straight in there. He was going to extend yard rounds. The main thing for yard ahead of that Arthur fight was to put in a good performance, shed the rust. We know he's had a few personal problems. And I suppose I was a little bit harsh on Deck last week because maybe familiarity breeds contempt. But, I mean, I wasn't diminishing his um, abilities as a fighter. You know what this guy's going to bring, as I said there. So the fact that yard got rid of him in the sixth round is an impressive performance and somewhat of a statement. I know people are... Re- we got around this historical revisionism now on Yard. You know, he was bossing Kovalev until he got stopped and all this type of stuff. But he gave a good performance against Kovalev. Was it a one-off? Can he replicate that? We don't know. We need to see him up at another level. Got rid of Spellman. If he gets rid of Arthur, we can maybe see him up there again. But this Arthur fight isn't going to be an easy proposition for him. Not at all. Uh, I think I think uh, Lyndon Arthur's got a horrible style for Anthony Yard. Uh, Dex Spellman showed some vulnerabilities in Yard. Yard struggled with the double jab. Um, Spellman landed it at will sometimes and I thought it was an okay performance from Yard um, I, I think look we know his, what his power uh, is like it, it can clearly hit uh, and he does pick his shots well but at the same time I, I think there was a lot of stuff that Lyndon Arthur would have been looking at and thinking well he, I'm a level above Dex Spellman and I can expose that even more um, what what it is it's a great fight Uh what we've got to remember is Yard's been out the ring for a very long time. His last meaningful fight was the Kovalev fight. He had that little tick-over job, you know, in Spain where he, he just knocked out some bum in a couple of rounds. It's not really a fight, that. It's nothing. Um, so the, this he, he's managed to get the ring rust off. Um, I agree. The stoppage was kind of premature because Spellman certainly had his whereabouts. But for me, Yard was well on top and the shots were starting to become a lot more telling. Um, Spellman's one of them. He'll just keep on coming forward uh, and, and you have to nail him to the canvas type of thing. Uh, I'm never going to argue at something like that when I felt I thought Yard was winning. Rounds were close, but I thought Yard was winning. Um, they're the sustained beatings that can cause, you know, long, like, cause injury type of thing. So I don't mind about that. Spellman will certainly come again. He's already won the English title. Certainly think he's got a place domestically. As for Anthony Yard, he'll be straight back in the gym. Um, and I, I really do hope we can see the Lyndon Arthur fight later this year because it's a great fight. And I don't think it's a foregone. Um, pre pre uh, Spellman, I thought Yard would have absolutely destroyed um, Arthur. However, I'm not so sure now. I, I think, you know, uh, Lyndon's a very good boxer, um, has an excellent jab, and, and he demonstrated things that we haven't seen uh, in the pros against Spellman. So it, it's not an easy fight, to say the least, um, and I would go as far as saying it's a genuine 50-50. Just noticed as well. I meant to mention Steve and, and Ozzy mm. and that. I remember when they, when Spellman took a uh, dropped and stuff. He was bleeding for the year. So I don't know if it was that right hand to the to the head that actually kind of caused yeah. the ear to burst and stuff. But then yeah. if you're yeah. seeing that, you see blood coming for the ear. You're thinking, well, right, okay, what's what's we got to keep an eye on this, you know, because mm. it can also mean something else, you know. Yeah, exactly that. Exactly that. Um, and look, look, like I said, it. He was in the fight, Spellman. You know, it wasn't like a literally a one-sided beating. But for me, I, I thought Yard was certainly starting to take over and the shots were becoming, you know, like a bit more of a thud, quite more telling. Um, yeah, it, it, you can probably argue, to be fair, that what was the 15 seconds left of the six? 
you could have at least maybe given the decency to see out that round or Yard may drop him again, um, take it from there and then maybe go into the seventh and see what happens. Yeah, you can probably argue it is a touch premature. I think it's not, you know, I've seen a lot worse stoppages uh, and we've and it's too easy, you know, we see fights go on too long and we criticise the referee then. Sometimes it's an impossible performance. Some have agreed with the stoppage, others haven't. Therefore, you're kind of in the middle and think it's one of them. Uh, but for me, I think, yeah, it's a touch premature, but I can see why it was made. And as you say, you start seeing that blood from the ear. It, it's not, you know, it, it can be a lot worse than just a little cut. Um, what we've got to remember is um, the, the man in the court, oh, Mark Breeland pulled Deontay Wilder out of the Fury fight. Yes, that was more of a sustained beating, but he also put it down to blood in the ear as well, and the ear was bleeding. It's a case of, we'll save you for another day. And I think the referee has saved Spellman for another day. Yeah, I think blood in the ears is a sure fire sign of possible concussion, given the fact that Yard punches so hard. Spellman only four to eight weeks ago. You don't want to bring in the likes of the Scott Westgarth situation, but there's all these different things all culminating together to suggest why they've made the decision that they did. Uh, just uh, looking down to the undercard, everybody. Jason Chukwu is in the chat, by the way. He said he can't talk, unfortunately, so don't expect him to get too chatty and jumping on. The StreamYard link is there in the chat. If anybody wants to click it and join us, then you are more than welcome. We have a couple of people lined up. Whether they'll turn up or not, we don't know. Rapping Rob Kelly is en route, though. Uh, anyway, back to that undercard. I'll give my uh, thoughts first, then I'll go to you, Andy. Uh, so, Echo Essaman, a unanimous decision win over Cedric Payneau. Perfect opponent, I think. Essaman's getting on a bit 31 years of age. He's called the engine. He was made to work by Payneau. He makes mistakes. He crosses the feet, former kickboxer. But he, he's a guy who can punch. We've seen before against Conor Ben. I think this is the perfect opponent for Essaman. He came through well, not with flying colours. He had his moments. He had a bit of difficulty. But that was the right type of opponent for him. Uh, I mean, Jahan Zeb uh, showed the moves, didn't he, against Jeremy Quinn. We know what Jeremy Quinn's like. He covers up. He's, he's very uh, solid, astute professional. Uh, did his job as usual. Uh, Mohammed Bilal Ali. I think someone mentioned that he was maybe trained by Tundi during the week. And then Richie Wood always mentioned the fact that it looked like he hadn't had much sparring, which would probably add up given his fight against Ed Harrison. Fair play to Harrison. We always like an underdog story. They tried to take it off him. Not really sure what uh, Thomas Trubb was on about there with the old announcement, but uh, Ed Harrison got the win anyway. Kieran Farrell fighter. Joshua Frankham. Uh, I don't know what I was doing during that one. don't remember that fight. That was into Kevin McCauley. I didn't see that one. And uh, Mark Heffron against Denzel Bentley. Start off with that one then, Andy. We had a, a comment coming in from Big P himself over at Porky's Corner. Porky sent me this just before we went live, Andy. He said, uh, Big P says Heffron has beaten 13 men with losing records. He's another Zelfa Barrett who's even more wins over men with losing records. Is this now the norm for trainers, managers and promoters, Andy, to pad kids' records out and wait for Hearn to call them or Warren? Look at Anthony Tomlinson, 13 and 0, but 11 losing records on his CV. He's picked up trinket belts like Zelfa and Heffron, but none have British title between them. And they are 62, 2 and 1 between the three of them. So basically, he's going on about Heffron's record, which we have actually brought up in the past. Denzel Bentley would be the opposite, Andy. He's pretty forward, pretty decent opposition, considering the fact that it was only his 14th fight. But Heffron hasn't really stepped up. And the times that he had against Williams, he got found out. So what do you think about Porky's comment, Andy? You there, Andy? Can you hear me okay? 
Yeah, I mean, I was standing there talking away to myself. <laughs> hell, I was on mute, sorry. Yeah, I mean, as we mentioned last week, well, I think I mentioned last week that Heffron's uh, career has flattered to deceive. You know, his record isn't, he, isn't he fantastic or the opponents he's faced. Um, but I did think last night he kind of, you know, it was, a, it was a good performance. I had Bentley winning the fight by by a couple. Um, I can understand why people maybe got it closer because he's he's backing up when he's when he's done some decent work and stuff, kind of like backing off in a corner. Sometimes that can maybe kind of insinuate to, to, to a judge that you might be struggling a wee bit with the pace and you're just trying to kind of like, you know, you know, so much old man yourself through the fight a wee bit, you know. Um, he was certainly kind of putting the pressure. I did like Bentley's kind of like punch selection stuff, but it was scrappy from time to time. Um, you know, I've got to say, Bentley did he look very good when he, when he was slipping inside Heffron's lead hands and that, and he was countering pretty well. Uh, but as I say, he was, I think he was just, he's backing off, maybe switching off as well. Uh, and maybe that's allowed Heffron to get into the fight and maybe make it closer on the cards and stuff. Um, but as I say, I thought Bentley was, 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 a worthy, was a worthy winner. He was certainly finished stronger anyway. So uh, if you hear any arguments in the background, it's my wife and my daughter having a, having a bit of Barney to two cats fighting there. So maybe mm. going to get a 10 Get a WBA a title on the line here, Andy. Aye, mate. Aye, you know, WBA, Barbie weight title, you know. Um, I, did, I didn't see Essamon against Penu. I've seen a few rounds of it, sorry. Um, Ali against Harris. That was a complete joke. Triber, I've never liked. Never liked him. Uh, and I don't know why he likes it. Like, so Kevin McCauley, who's got 207 defeats, is getting TV time. It's just absolutely deplorable. And with that, mate, I'll just uh, bid you farewell just for two minutes. Oh, Andy's getting stuck in here like a prime Marcus McDonald trying to pull these girls apart. Uh, maybe it's 10-2 minutes, 10-3s, who knows? Yeah, Ozzy, lead off with Heffron there. I thought he was coming forward and forcing the fight, but was he really landing that much? I liked Bentley's upper body movement. I am a Bentley fan, so maybe that was swaying me. I thought he was landing the cleaner, crisper, harder shots. He's a strange fighter because he looks so classy and content and, and and so languid at times and like in control. And other times he'll just throw a mad swinging right hand that almost sends him out to the ring. He's a strange fighter to Bentley but I thought he won by a couple of rounds personally. I agree I had it the same um, I, I was surprised by the comments after it by Mark Efron saying he thought he won every round bar the second which was the one he was knocked down in uh, and he thought he walked it completely disagree with that um, thought Hefron looked really you know like quite relaxed and he, he looked really good all fight week um, and then basically got hit and thought right um, it's like the confidence just zapped from him a little bit. Uh, didn't see the, the he didn't see the shot that knocked him down coming. Got caught square on both on his ass. Don't think it hurts him that much, but it's it's little things like that, you know which a, a classy operator like Denzel Bentley will take advantage of. Um, but what I will say is that Heffron against Williams, I think he kind of bottled it in a way. Uh, and just, you know, he he just didn't know what to do. But he did dig down against Bentley and he fought his way back into the fight. And there were some close rounds. Uh, and I, you can argue, you know, it can, depending on what you like, it can go one way or the other. Uh, but for me, I, I thought Bentley, um, he certainly, if, if I was the promoter, he'd be the one that I want to win the fight because I, th I think he's got the potential to go deeper in the sport. Um, he's got an excellent style, can clearly punch. Um, you know, not, not that can, I don't think he's got that one punch, you know, power, but he he beat the shit out of Mick Hall, and that Hall is a tough, tough, you know, a, a genuine tough bloke, can just take a shot. He beat up Mick Hall, and he landed some great shots on Heffron last night as well. Um, <clears throat> I, I believe the rematch has been signed already, 
both fighters clearly think they'll win. Hefron, I think, at times did. He tested the chin of Bentley as well, and Hefron can punch. But I think he's a fighter that's very good when he's on top. Um, I mean, we talk about his record. His record's poor, really. Um, it's not much of a record, but he's also... I mean, I mean, he was, he's been all over the place. Um, I think he started off... I'm sure he made his, like, his pro debut in like Holland or... Uh, Poland or something it, like that. It's because he was with Gary Hoyd, I think, wasn't yeah, he? He, used to it pay, was, he takes his yeah. fighters all over the shop, yeah. It, it was, yeah, yeah. He did a lot of stuff with, um, with, oh, fucking hell, what's his name? Uh, Jack, like a Jack in a Box, always not there. Hassan and Dam. Because mm. I think and Dam was with Hyde as well. He was, yeah, that's right. At one point, yeah. So he was, so he's done a lot there. Um, and I think then he's done a lot on the small old scene. So naturally, if the money's not there, you're going to pad your record with these poor fighters. Uh, he then, his, I'd say his first real step up was against Lewis Taylor, then Andrew Robinson, who he knocked out, and then it was Williams. So he's not, yeah, he's certainly not got the debt, but he's also sure he can operate. So, yeah, the rematch is going to happen. Both fighters will think um, they can win. Both would have learned a lot from it, but for me, I think Bentley will win the rematch. Um, I don't think it'll be a stoppage. I just think it'll be a wider points decision. Andy said it right. Bentley allowed Heffron to come on and back and be backed up, which I think gave Heffron some rounds. I think I don't think Bentley will make that mistake again. Uh, and look for a guy in his fourth, what fourteenth fight, done the rounds comfortably. Um, very impressive. I, I, I like him. Speaks well. Comes across well. Um, and yeah, I, I look forward to the rematch. Uh, touching on the rest of the card, um, Sadi- uh, not Sadiq, um, Echo Essiman. Uh, yeah, so- solid win. Um, solid win. I get why they brought Payno over. Bit of, you know, but I say reputation. He's known by the British fans because he arguably beat Conor Ben in the sixth rounder and then certainly caused some problems in the rematch in the 10 rounder before uh, getting, I think it, it was either, I think he was knocked down quite a few times. But a good win. Certainly think Essamon's got a lot to offer domestically. Um, age isn't on his side, but he looks, he's not got the miles on the clock and he looks in great nick. Um, and I think he can certainly operate uh, at British level without a doubt. Without a doubt, um, he's got the beatings of Ben Jenkins, so certainly he can operate at British level. Uh, the rest of the card, I didn't really enjoy, to be honest. Um, that that Mohammed Bilal Ali shite. Um, fair play to Ed Harrison. You've just exposed another one of these, you know, cowboys who get in the ring type of thing. Um, I was talking some. To, uh, talking to John Evans and he said he went, I bet you Frank Warren had never even heard of Mohammed uh, Bilal Ali and it's just because he's managed by Tundi Ajayi, how he's appeared on the got and got TV time Lions in the camp Yeah, he probably won't be on there again so one of the young Lions was uh, struck down by Ed Harrison and it's then just I just say, yeah. and, well, sorry Andy It's just a nine failure Exactly, yeah, exactly and then the rest of them, Frankham and that, Jan Zeb, yeah, uh, Macaulay, well, he, he is what he is, and he tucks up, takes his shots, get, picks his paycheck up and, and goes on to the next fight, and same with Jamie Quinn as well. So, um, enjoyed the Yard and Heffron fights overall. Essendon wasn't a bad one either, but the other three weren't the best. Um, and fingers crossed we do get to see the Heffron-Bentley rematch because I certainly think it is one that, it was an excellent fight, first time round, and I think it can only get better. 
Final thoughts, though, for me is, I mean, the fact mm. is, half, half seven start, you've got a two hundred, a guy with a two hundred loss losing record mm. on TV, and then you've got the main event no start until what was it? Well after eleven o'clock. I mean, what is the fucking, what is the point of that? I mean, you've got an empty stadium, empty empty arena and stuff. Yeah. You don't have any any major issues. What is the hold up between these fights? I think it's silly the way that they, they, they. I mean, we were talking about this last week about Channel Danny Five. Young. The, Danny Young, yeah, said, Danny right Young said Channel Five. Come on, you have the main event at like ten past ten, and then you show everything afterwards. There's the different ways they can do this. I don't know why it's on so late. I know Sky was showing football and that, but right, was it ten to ten or ten past ten? And you had McCauley on at that time. Right when you think sort of, you know, that's sort of your peak time, isn't it? Then half nine to ten o'clock, something like that. That's not when you have a journeyman on. It, 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 it's like taking the air out the balloon for me. You're thinking to yourself, oh, yeah, we've got to have fun against Bentley or whatever it is. Waiting for that to come on. It's nearly ten o'clock. We'll maybe get this in, go to bed. And then all of a sudden he brings out a six round. And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> you know, it, it's really weird. I mean, Ozzy, I'm sure you agree with the, the timing. Is it Frank's decision? Yeah. Is, it, is it BT? Well, you're not telling me it's BT. It's BT saying, "Oh yeah, we'll, uh, yeah, l- l- we want to see you know like Kevin McCauley on our uh, on our channel at like a prime time." And I get look, like someone like Joshua Frankham, you want to give him the expo- exposure. Uh, I understand that as a debutant, but find him a better opponent at least. I'm not saying you know like chuck him in with somebody uh, you know an unreal, you know like who's going to be a huge test. But yeah, we don't want to be seeing stuff like that, particularly when you add Heffron and Bentley waiting. That's the one that, you know, if you're flicking through and you see, you know, like you might catch like a round or so and it's very good, I'll stay and watch that. But when you're seeing, you know, like you see it, 15 wins, 207 losses, you just think, no, I'm not interested at all. Um, and I, that's one thing I do, I would say about them. They've, they've got to get the scheduling right. It's not difficult. It's it's common sense. It's common sense. It's really not difficult. I get, you know, like say if um say two of your ten or twelve rounders finish early, you know, like inside two or three rounds, calls, you know, one of one of them gets banged out. Fine. You know, because you need something to kill time, otherwise your show will be done too quick. I get that. But we didn't need to be seeing Kevin McCauley on at half eight, nine o'clock yesterday. Absolutely no chance. Fingers crossed they learn from it and don't do it again because it does suck the life out of it when you're watching it. And there's no atmosphere as well because there's nobody there. Yeah, it's got to be Frank because he's always done it, even back on Box Nation and that. But I just wonder whether BT, you know, well, they haven't said something or. I don't know, at least try to sort it out or something. Anyway, um, joining us again, uh, it wasn't last week, it was the week before, we first heard from Stephen Lynch. He's back again for more in the Nut House. How are you, Stephen? Keeping well? How are you doing, guys? Good to join you. Yes, absolutely. Good to have you here. A couple of things on your agenda. First of all, uh, just before... Well, did you watch anything on the weekend? Anything that took you interest before we get stuck into the meat? No, I'm afraid not, Steve. I did have a look at the old schedule there, but um, no, I didn't, I didn't actually catch any of it. I feel like it's been a bit of a lull period between, um, you know, White and Povetkin and some of, some of the other fights. Um, so no, it's just it's just kind of ongoing things that um, I hope we can chat about while we're speaking. 
Yeah, no problem. We'll go on to the heavyweight, shall we then? Wilder, Fury and Joshua. You said to me on the messaging, might as well get stuck into this first. I don't think Wilder versus Fury 3 actually ends up happening. Joshua is in a very tough fight with Pulev. We're risking not seeing the unification and may well be eventually be without one of the belts. You think the heavyweight uh, division is uh, up in the air at the moment? Yeah, I, I do. I think it's in, a, it's in a really kind of precarious position, Steve. I think um, one of the things that I think people forget is that uh, Wilder Fury 2, the rematch, um, I, I think that didn't actually um, break even in terms of, you know, turning a profit financially. I was looking at this last week, looking up the pay-per-view numbers and things, because it, it really surprised me when I first seen it. Because um, I heard Eddie Hearn talking about it, and of course, you've got to always take what you hear from anybody you know who's a promoter with a pinch of salt about a rival event. But um, you know that was a great fight, that that rematch, and it was heavily promoted here and in the US, and you know it, it was a great spectacle. Um, but you know, based on the information I found online, that seems to be quite a legit statistic that it didn't actually make a profit. So the question then becomes is basically who wants to see a third fight if um if you, if you're like me and you think fury won the first fight even with the two knockdowns and you know he conclusively won the second fight you know it, that was about as one-sided uh, a dominant performance as you can possibly get then you know if you're a promoter trying to promote this whether it's in australia or any of these other places um, I just don't think the financials are there uh, to make the third fight. Not that you know I'm involved in financials and making fights, and I just I just don't think there's a demand among what you'd call a casual fan uh, to watch this again, given what Fury did to Wilder in the second fight. So just basically, I think what will end up happening is Wilder will probably pull out with some kind of injury. He'll come out with some legit sounding excuse about how he's unable to to you know defend this title or whatnot and i think i think lots of people are saying this right at the time but um, i think that's the that's the smart thing to do from wilder's point of view and um i don't have a cheap dig at him but you know it's been said often that he you know his intelligence is not something that people you know kind of praise him for so um mm. Yeah, it's it's the smart thing to do. It'd be interesting to hear what you guys think. I think it's the smart thing for him to have just immediately just to set this out and let Fury and AJ, you know, tear strips out of each other. And then he might be able to just have one fight with the winner and then just to win all the, the marbles and the belts then. That's probably the better thing to do. Yeah, I'd be delighted um, if someone did step aside and let Fury and AJ tear strips off each other, but I'm not convinced that um, that fight's even going to happen. Boxing first there, put an interesting comment for you, Stephen. Let me just read it out yeah. to you. Regarding the financials, he said, so many people have easy access to dodgy streams. Back in the day when you couldn't find the fights online for love and the money, you had no choice but to buy it. Now, however, it is too yeah. easy and free. So especially with no fans in the arenas and that, they're looking to make money. Pay-per-views is the main, pretty much only avenue at the moment. You know how they're going to make money if people are doing these illegal streams. Do you think it is affecting the the financials as much as boxing first suggests? Make it worth the money to buy it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you have to you have to incentivize people to put their hand in their pocket nowadays, don't you? You have to really put on a show, and you have to you have to make these really fifty fifty type fights because um, people are just yeah too savvy to go with team stream, aren't they? Um, 
Yeah, the other just couple of things on this. I think um, I think Wilder, whatever his limitations are, and you know his style definitely. Fury did expose a lot of his um, limitations, but that right hand of Wilder has served him so well against pretty much everybody else um, that if he looks back to to when him and AJ were first trying to negotiate that fight before AJ was blown out by Ruiz. Um, Wilder would have had a very good chance, actually, of beating, you know, an undefeated AJ in America or wherever had they fought just with that right hand, you know. Um, so I think I think he may look back and, or certainly his fans will look back and regret that that fight didn't happen when um, it was on the table. And, and I have no idea who's really to blame for it. Both camps make you know, equally kind of ludicrous or convincing claims depending on where you sit in the debate. But I think I I, I lean towards the side that he, Wilder was probably being protected. And then I think he probably tried to, or his team tried to cherry pick Fury when he was coming back, being overweight and stuff. But actually, um, I think Team Fury actually cherry picked him, I think was actually the way it, it worked out in the end. Um and yeah, when I think I've heard people say this before, if we actually get to a stage, let's say if AJ gets past Pelev, which is no guarantee, and Fury can get out of this Wilder situation, um, if AJ or Fury might have to drop a belt. That might be what has to happen. Um, so we might actually have to have the unification without, say, the WBA or WBC or whatever it is. And I think. I think we might just have to accept that and just, you know, this, you know, it's not a perfect world. You know, it's the it's the fighters that make the belts at the end of the day, not the other way around. And so, the winner of AJ and Fury will be, for all intents and purposes, be the undisputed. It doesn't really matter if one of the organizations doesn't recognize them. You know, it just it's just something to bear in mind. I think. No, it's a fair point, actually. I mean, just uh, something that came to me there before we go on to uh, the Crawford talk, which we're going to get stuck into Crawford book as well with you. You mentioned about Joshua against Pulev being no foregone conclusion. I think Pulev's, he's awkward to fight. He has a strange style. He's very experienced, but knocking on 40, if he's not 40 already, I mean, Eddie's trying to get him out of the way. Do you foresee him still causing problems? Maybe if he goes for Joshua, the way he went for Vlad, we could have an exciting fight. He might have an exciting ending the way Vlad eventually finished him off. Do you think Pulev is genuinely going to cause Joshua problems if and when they as and when they fight? Yeah, it's a good question. I, I do think I do think based on the, the first Ruiz fight, I do think uh and definitely with what Pavetkin did to White there this summer, I think uh Pulev is gonna is gonna go for it. He's gonna um as you say, put his foot on the gas. Because I remember watching that Klitschko fight and, um, you know, some of the highlights don't look good. He did get dropped a few times and, you know, in the end, Vlad took him out quite conclusively. But um, you can, there was a lot of good stuff that Pelev was doing early on in that fight. He, if I'm not mistaken, I remember he was starting to take away um, Klitschko's jab, which is something that, you know, 99% of his opponents never managed to do um and you know they always said that the fight doesn't start against Klitschko once you unless you you know figure out a way to deal with that and yeah in the early rounds of that fight I think Pelev was doing some good stuff but I think he just 
he just um I think he got his space and wrong um or Kletchko, you know, uncharacteristically took a few risks um to, to land big shots on him. So it's quite an interesting fight to watch. Um yeah, with with Joshua, I think it'd be interesting to see how he deals with that jab um of Pelev's. Um and um I think it will definitely give him a good fight. Uh, probably AJ might eke eke it out like the way he did against Pavek and you know come up with the goods later down down the stretch. But it'll be very interesting and it'll be very competitive, I think, in the early rounds. Yeah, boys in the chat, not so sure here, Stephen. Uh, Pulev looked decent against Huey Fury, but how long ago was that? Has he even fought since, says Lee the Alcoholic Frotch? I don't think he has, actually. Tosh Bear says AJ ran through no one to suggest he smashes. Oh, have disappeared? Up and experience Pulev. Yeah, I think Pulev's going to make it awkward if AJ doesn't get rid of him within the first six or seven rounds. I think it's going to become a bit of a grind. Eggy Phil says, as he watched Pulev's last two fights, go on YouTube and watch the fight versus Bogdan Dino. <laughs> well, especially what he was up to. After that. Anyway, let's move on then, shall we? Crawford, Brook, Khan situation. Crawford's already fought Khan. They're talking about him fighting Kel Brook now. Would you be averse to this fight, Stephen, given some of the fighters Crawford's been in with? No world beaters, but not a shit opposition by all accounts. We want to see Crawford in with the big ones. Will you be happy? Will you be satisfied if Kel Brook accepts the one and a half million and fights Terence Crawford next? Um, I think... I'm going to be a bit biased here because I used to be. I used to be. A, I mean, I am a big fan of of Kel Brooks from back in the day. Um, I can't begrudge him the the payday he's getting. Um, I think he's getting two million dollars. You know, not that I'm seeing any of that. You know, it's not really my business. But I can't begrudge him that. But I think if you're talking about Crawford um, being like a pound for pound uh, champion, you know, being thought of as that, this is from his point of view. This isn't the yeah, it's not it's not the greatest opposition um, that he, he could have fought. That's out there. Um, I'm not saying it's a mismatch, but um, you would expect you would expect Crawford to to deal with Brook potentially within twelve, um, maybe maybe a late stoppage. Um, and yeah, it, it's quite interesting with Brook and Gone the the way both of their careers went. Um, I, I just think. I don't want to be, you know, like a, a hindsight merchant, but I think with Brook, it was really he was never the same after he fought Golovkin. And I don't, I don't think he really had to to really take that risk. I think it, he he had he had um, Errol Spence as a mandatory, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, for the IBF title he had, and mm-hmm. you know Spence went on to beat him anyway after he'd gone through Golovkin. Um, but you, you know, you never know. It could have that could have been a much, much closer fight if Brook had just tried to defend against Spence. Um, you never know; he might have even, you know, shocked the world and beaten him. Um, I don't know if you guys remember that Golovkin fight um, on the night. You know, Sky Sports were trying to were trying to spin it how how competitive it was. You know, and it, it was a fight where um, yeah. Brook's Brook's corner through the towel in in what was it six rounds and you know it's it's hardly that's hardly a competitive fight um you know he took a lot of damage didn't he um he the other did. thing I the mean, other I've thing... Made... yeah go, yeah go ahead go ahead. no you go on no I'm I was, I was just going to say something about Khan but um maybe we, we'll come on to that 
Yeah, just before we go on to Khan, I was going to say to you, I've made this point before on the pod and I'll make it again. I think that Kel Brook, um, possibly the Golovkin and uh, Errol Spence fights have, have you know, speeded this up a bit. I think Brook's done with boxing. I don't think, given his last three yeah. opponents as well, he wants to box on anymore. Eddie's dangling the carrot of the Khan fight over him at the moment and trying to keep him going, trying to get him Crawford fights and stuff, saying there's still money to be made. You can still headline pay-per-view fights. He's so desperate for these headliners at the moment. But if it's down to Brook, it probably sort of just get fat and jog on somewhere, I think. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because I think I think both Brook and Khan um, have been in this period of their careers for like the last maybe two years or something. Uh, Khan especially, it's, it, it seems like Khan, he's just sort of selling selling his record so he's just like taking big paydays to get knocked out by some of the the bigger guys so Crawford and Canelo um and you know he his uh his early on his like the middle of his career he had some really impressive names on there you know Maidana Malinaji and Judah and some of these guys um and I think he just him and his team just picked really strange fights um like the Chris Algieri fight, that was a that was a really strange fight. I don't know what the upside, you know, the reward was there and the risk reward calculus. And I think in the end, it was a it was a much closer fight than it should have been in the end. And um, yeah, he, he shouldn't he should never have lost the Peterson fight. He was winning that quite comfortably. And um, <clears throat> um, that. I remember, I remember this at the time. That was a voluntary defense at the time. Khan had some belts. It was at light welterweight. And um, he fought Peterson in his backyard in, was it in Washington, D.C.? Washington, maybe? I think, yeah. Yeah, it was there, wasn't it? And um, that it was a voluntary defense. And there was no rematch clause as well. So you could argue his team were being kind of, you know, complacent and arrogant. They thought they were just going to go down there and just turn over. Peterson, I mean, you know, he was winning the fight quite handily early on, and then he just started having a tear up to fight, to fight Peterson's fight. And then the Garcia fight, I think he 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 just got he got suckered into you know trading, if you like, with with Danny Garcia, which is exactly what he wants everybody to do. He wants the opponent to stand and throw hooks there with him because that's that's when they're in range. So. Those were two fights he shouldn't he shouldn't really have lost. He should have um, had enough boxing skill to keep both of them at bay. Um, so that was a shame, really. You know, if you're you know if you want to see the British fighters, um, you know, do the business overseas. And um, just the other thing, uh, Steve, um, we'd be interested to hear what you guys think. I've not I, this is going back a while, but. Um, if you remember this business when he was trying to get the Mayweather fight, that this seemed to go on for like months and years, uh, where Khan was like campaigning for this, um, and then in the end, Mayweather decided uh, to fight Maidana. I I genuinely think mm-hmm. that um, Khan he actually talked his way out of that fight. So in other words, he, he would have gotten the fight if he'd have just not you know kept talking nonsense on social media. Um, you know, he was bringing the British pay-per-view market with him. You know, Mayweather had fought Hatton before, and they'd seen all the fans and stuff that he brings to Vegas. And I think it, it would have been a similar style event if if uh, um, 
you know, if Khan had got, you know, that sort of opportunity. Um, but I, I, I think that was the reason it, 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 it just seemed like Khan was the favourite for months and months. And then at the last minute, um, Maidano, after he knocked out Brono, he, he sort of unexpectedly, you know, was the person they chose. And then they ended up having two fights then. Yeah, I think there was an air of desperation about Khan and didn't Mayweather even start almost trolling him at one point? Did the whole poll, didn't he, on Twitter? Who do you want me to fight? I think Khan might have won it and he still picked Maidana in the end. He was like, he was really leading Khan, stringing him along. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, um, he, he was big on um, that control element, wasn't he, towards the end of his career, particularly Floyd. I think he maybe, um, I think he knew what it was like to be on the other side of that. I think when he fought Oscar De La Hoya, and he talked about when De La Hoya, you know, he he picked how big the ring was. He he decided how big your gloves were, you know, what specific gloves you wore, and all that, all this kind of stuff. It's um, the Kletchkos were supposed to be bad players as well, just you know, using every possible advantage um, to get a mental edge um, ahead of fight. I think I think Floyd he was supposed to be bad for that as well, just you know, taking a long time to negotiate and actually announce fights as well, just to keep his opponents on edge. And I think that's quite plausible with what happened to Khan. I think he just, yeah, he just got desperate and he just didn't know how to be patient and, you know, just get on with things. So that was a missed opportunity. Certainly was. Uh, Phil's jumped on the call, so I'm going to bring him in shortly. Before we do so, Stephen, anything you want to add in there just before we let you go? Um, yeah, just going back to the old um, Con Brook thing. Um, I don't want to make too many predictions here, but I I thought for a long time that this is just going to be one of those fights that doesn't happen, sadly. And I think um, I think this I think this just simply comes down to Con having an issue with Brook. I think he just doesn't want to Con doesn't want to put himself in a position where Brooke can beat him in a boxing ring, you know, and, you know, have that over him for the for the rest of their lives after they retire. And it's quite strange because Khan has showed, you know, I'm not questioning Khan's courage. He's shown he's willing to get in there with anybody. Um, but, you know, he's willing to get in there and get knocked out, you know, for, for money, basically. Um, but not for Brooke, it, it seems. It just... Um, I don't know. Maybe maybe you guys speculate why that is. Why with Brooke in particular? But um, I've just always got that impression from Khan. He just um, he, I don't know. He seems Brooke is beneath him in terms of giving him a fight. Yeah, it's a strange one. He doesn't want to give him the payday, as Joel says there. It does happen, I suppose. I mean, Canelo seems to have this intent hatred for Golovkin there, which I think is maybe tainting. We're going to talk Canelo later, but that's tainting his opinion. He really can't stand Golovkin. Doesn't want to give him the payday, supposedly, to such extents that he's like holding his own to ransom, saying, I don't have to fight him. It's not in the, the contract. That's a different discussion for a different day anyway. Thanks for joining us, Stephen. Pleasure as always. Yeah, the, the chat seemed to be enjoying you anyway, so thanks for coming on. Cheers, guys. All the best. No, cheerio. Cheers. Okay, uh, Stephen Lynch there. Eggy Phil has joined us on the call. Just before we unmute you, uh, unleash you upon the world, Phil, I just want to go to Andy very quickly on something. Last Sunday evening, your Dennis Ugas, we made our predictions 
just before the pod closed as to how we thought it would go. Bit of a strange one, this Andy. I thought Ugas was a worthy winner. Abel Ramos, as he tends to do, came forward, left nothing in the tank. But those scores, they've just flicked up on me on Boxrec here. One of the judges had it like to Ramos by... Yeah, to nine rounds to three. I mean, what the hell was going on there? 117, 111. But as Marek, like 75, 80-year-old. <laughs> I mean, he must have fell asleep or he took his pills a bit too early. I don't know. He's like, Andy, yeah. do you remember that your man, Clark, I was at the fight, um, Lee Haskins fought Ryan Burnett and Clark oh, San Martino put in a score of 118, 110 to aye. Haskins and everyone was confused and it turns out he thought one fighter was the other. <laughs> Aye, and then you know there was no way you could fuck it up, Dave, because like Haskins was emblazoned <laughs> across like the waistband. So was other fighters' name as well, incidentally. But mm. yeah, I mean, and you had the tribal there last night. Uh, yeah, you guys try to remember what happened. I think it just it was wasn't it? It was, it was pretty much uneventful, wasn't it? But um, yeah, I, 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 I thought he won it by a couple. Uh, Moret just deplorable card. Really needs to be asked questions. Um, I thought it's been a question for later on and stuff like that. Like say. You know, I like to see judges and referees get called to account for performances or shitty scorecards and stuff. So I want to give a shout out to Richard Steele. Um, remember after the the, the Chavez Taylor stoppage, twelfth round. A lot of people actually forget that you know Steele actually got interviewed after that fight, directly after that fight, and uh, gave his opinion. So I uh, showed some balls by the way, considering you know the magnitude of that stoppage and how big a fight that was and stuff. So a wee bit of uh, clarity. Um, Feel like some people like that, or should, you know, is that like in the day the commission should be kind of calling them account anyway? But you know, they should be getting, the, getting dragged in front of a camera asking, you know, how the hell can you see that 170 111? But the other two are seeing it like two points the other way, and, you know, it's just disgraceful, man. And it, it, I'm sure he's he, he's a wee old white guy, a wee old guy with white hair and stuff, that's so, right, you know, yeah, even, even, right, yeah. Aye, so um, even as a even as a, even as a, an, an official at this point, stuff like it should be washed up. I know it was a long time ago, Andy, but from the undercard, I'm just trying to remember off the top of my head here, Cody Crowley, I mentioned him to you, a decent Canadian, he was absolutely pulling the beating on Josh Torres, and uh, Torres looked like his dad was going to pull him out of the corner, it was getting uncomfortable, and then for some reason, Crowley comp- completely took his, ga- uh, his foot off the gas, now this Crowley fella apparently had sparred about 100 rounds with Floyd before mm-hmm. Floyd retired, so that says to me that if Floyd values you enough to bring you back for a total of 100 rounds over various camps, you must have something about you. So for that reason alone, and the fact that he looked pretty decent, this Canadian kid, Southpaw, Cody Crowley at welterweight, uh, totally dominating Josh Torres. Uh, he might be one to watch for the future. Also, Bata Akhmedov can't really take too much out of that first yeah. round knockout over Ray Perez. A bit of a strange one. He punched Perez's elbow into his stomach and sort of effectively stopped him with a body shot. And, and if you remember anything of it, particularly Crowley, no. Andy, don't worry if you, ha- if you don't. No, but maybe worth keeping a wee eye on. I had a look at his record uh, late last week and stuff. It was in mid twenties or whatever. Um, mm. So I, it, it might, it might, it might get to a certain point and stuff. But um, yeah, we'll wait and see how it goes. Yeah, twenty-seven-year-old Southpaw, based in Las Vegas now, uh, nineteen and zero with nine knockouts, originally from Canada. Uh, Phil is on the call with us. I'm not sure what it is you wanted to talk about, Phil, but I omitted one of your questions last week about the golden contract light heavyweights in the light of Anthony Yard's fight with uh, Dex Spellman. Did you catch anything over the weekend, Phil, before we get stuck into the light heavyweights? Any BT sport action with Frank? Uh, a 100 quid on the draw between uh, Bentley between Bentley and Denzel. So I was oh, quite happy about that. To be, I didn't think it was a draw. I thought uh, Denzel won as well. Sorry, Heffron. Heffron and Denzel. Sorry, I apologise about that. Yeah, I didn't think it was a draw myself. I thought uh, Denzel won by a couple of rounds with the knockdown. Um, looking forward to the rematch. 
Um, I, I, I didn't score it properly myself. I just thought he won by a couple of rounds. I wouldn't like to, wouldn't like to score those fights, to be honest with you. It's quite a nightmare to do. Uh, Anthony Yard. I'm, I keep seeing that people keep saying Anthony Yard's world level. But uh, to me, he hasn't proven anything to be world level. Now, mm. to me, when he fought, when he fought Ko Kovalev, well, he had that one good round. But for the rest of the fight, he was just getting skilled. And people keep saying to me, well, that was a world-class performance. I'm struggling to see it, to be honest with you. He's doing now what he should have been doing before he fought Kovalev. I don't begrudge him for taking the Kovalev fight because he, it was a pro it's what Frank Warren does for him. But I just don't know how you can work out his world class, to be honest with you. Yeah, you all uh, got the job yeah. done. What about the shoulder roll? You a fan of you a fan of the shoulder roll, Phil? Nope, not a chance. He bangs his chest about 20, 30 <laughs> times a, a fight. Do you know what I mean? Rolls his shoulder, throws a few punches and does it again. But well, I just don't see the point in it. He did it in the Kovalev fight. Like I, that, that, that is the one thing I remember so much about the Kovalev fight. He's in a world title fight, fighting an elite opponent, and the thing he's doing every round, he's banging his chest four, five, six, seven times around. What What's that supposed to do? Pump you up. Do you know what I mean? To try and win. Fucking throw a punch. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's just quite annoying, to mm. be honest, if you're watching it. It just frustrates me. Let's talk about the golden contract then, Phil. Obviously, you threw this in last week. Um, Isaiah Burton is going against your guy Bolotniks, who knocked out Stephen Ward. He said he'll get rid of Bolotniks in a round. I wouldn't be surprised at all if Isaiah Burton did knock out Bolotniks earlier because I like big Stevie Ward. He shouldn't have been down at light heavyweight. I don't think he's that brilliant either. We'll see how he gets on at cruiserweight. But Isaiah Burton is ready to put in a good shift. What do you think about the draw itself and the golden contract tournament as a whole across the weights? As a golden contract, it's really good. Really enjoy it. I mean, he gets fighters out there who wouldn't usually get a place on TV as well, or fighters that people may have not heard of, and they can see. I mean, it's something to be interested in. I mean, oh, what's the golden contract? I mean, it's 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 the way it says it as well. The golden contract it makes you interested. Like it hundred percent does to me as well. And I'm fancy. It's like look at looking at the light heavyweight as well. I'm really fancying Liam Convoy to come come in and beat the shell in the semi final and get yourself in the final. And I can see it being a British final, you know, Liam Conroy's in Burton. But then Burton's got Burton's got a goal to uh Blotnick's backyard, hasn't he? So that's the problem. So if he if he ends up in UD, then he could you never know, it could be Dodgy scorecard over there. You've just gone a bit muffled there, Phil. Do you want to get a bit closer to the mic? Maybe give yourself a Sorry, shake. can you hear me now? I can hear you absolutely perfect there. I think you were picking uh, Liam Conroy to win win the whole thing, is that correct? I, fan I fancy Conroy, you know. I really, no, well, no, I don't. Fan I fancy Conroy to get to the final. I do it and beat Michelle, and uh, obviously I fancy Burton to beat Belotniks. But he's going in his own back. But he's going to Belotniks' backyard, isn't it, to fight him? So mm -hmm. you just don't know there, do we? I think the, I think I think the KO's got to be a sure thing for Burton. Just to, but it's, what was it? I wanted to jump on about Danny Williams just while I'm here as well because it's frustrating yeah, me if you don't mind me. It's it's pissed me off to be honest with you. It's took Danny Williams to be on the box nation show for people to finally take notice that he should not be in the ring. He's been doing it for the last ten years, and I feel like boxing owes him something. And get him out of the sport. Get him, get him a job doing anything, commentating. It doesn't matter what he is, but he needs to stop. He's not going to be able to string a sentence together now, surely, is he? <laughs> 
No, well, you know, you know what? I, I I went on the YouTube last night and they just typed in Danny Williams boxer, and uh, you watch three fights, you signed three fights from like the last year. Phil, I've completely lost you now, dude. Sorry, sorry, I'm there. You you, you get you getting stronger. Hello. Oh, there you go. He's on the full PEDs now. Carry on. Yeah, sorry. I apologise about that. So yeah. Well, yeah, basically, I went on YouTube last night and I just had a look at it. <laughs> you know, we, we can hear you apology, but nothing else. <laughs> can you hear me now? We can hear you now, yeah. I don't know what's going on here, type. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I looked at, like, three fights from the last two years. And it just it just speaks his whole career in that in those like last three fights. It's actually disgusting. I just feel like boxing owes him something. Surely there's someone out there that can do something for him. And I can't believe it's taken till 2020 to go and box nation for people to try finally speak out about it. It just it just pissed me off to be honest with you. Yeah, maybe Danny should. Well, the thing is, once these, as long as these guys in Russia and that Germany are going to keep paying him, he's going to keep. keep I mean, where, how can you stop it? That's the problem. He can't withdraw his license because he's on a Latvian license, and we've seen the guys Prince Patel's been put in. They'll just, uh, you know, sanction anybody. So until he gets some kind of injury, God forbid, he's not going to be able to stop, is he? Surely, though, people are going to see that from Friday night and say, right, enough is enough. You would think so, anyway. But surely someone's going to have to off offer him an opportunity for a way out. There's got to be someone, someone in British boxing surely can, do you know I mean, offer him something just to get out of that sport. And I know why he does it. He does it for his little girl. He mm. does it for his kids, doesn't he? And you know what? Fair play to him. He does, he does it so they get a great education. But at the same time, you need to think it's time to stop because he's going he's gonna to end up with no brain cells. He really is. I don't even think he's got any, to be honest with you. You saw from Friday, do you know what I mean? That boxer could I don't know what the boxer's name was, to be honest with you, but he could he's have got, really hurt him. He's, a, he's an old kickboxing champion. Um, but I was just going to say, I mean, it's up to Danny where he wants to educate his kids and stuff, but how much is, is he possibly earning for these fights, fighting in Latvia, Czech Republic and stuff like that, to last two rounds or go up against a guy who's zero and eight? I mean, Jesus, I mean, what is it, like two grand a fight? I mean, he's not earning big money. That's what I was going to say, a grand, two grand a fight to go to all these random countries and get knocked out. That I posted up a, I posted up a video today and he was fighting some Russian fella or something. And the Russian fella knocked him out in 10 seconds. And he ran to the ring, jumped up on the top of the ring, celebrating up and down like he's just won the world championship. It, it was bizarre and it's sad just watching it. Yeah. It is sad. Did you see the main event, Phil? We haven't got onto it yet, but I'm, I'm interested to hear your thoughts. Sadiq did really well, didn't he? But Chudinov, I think he's so experienced. He's been there and done it. He just he cranked it up steadily, round after round. Such a good chin, and he put the pressure on at exactly the right time. I thought Chudinov was actually really good too. Yeah, I enjoyed that fight. I thought Umar really really should be proud of himself, to be honest with you. What, did he have three, four weeks notice to go to Russia and fight Chudinov? Two, apparently. Two? Well... It's a shame that he didn't finish the fight, to be honest with you. And he just that what did that come down to? Just just being too tired. Um thought off was up by a couple of rounds in the twelfth. It's like I say, it's sad that he didn't finish the fight out, to be honest with you. He uh he worked behind the jab quite well. Just off was too much for him in the end. And uh he's just one of those come forward fighters, you'll get in your face and uh 
once he gets to you, he'll hurt you. And he just proved. Yeah, fair play to him. We can hear you loud and clear now, Phil. I'm going to bring in rapping Rob Kelly. Feel free to stay on the line if you wish. It's entirely up to you or you can hook it if you want to, OK? The option's yours. Not to worry. Thank you very much. OK, rapping Rob Kelly, how are you, sir? Keeping well on this Sunday evening? Yeah, doing well, doing well. Can you hear me, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. Doing well sexually, most of all, Rob? Always, maybe. Um, what was I going to say to you? Um, I hope you're missing that. Listen. Um, what... <laughs> have, you, have, have you spotted that 3.6 litre engine yet, by the way? <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> Tell you if I ever do. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Rob, you like dags? what was i going to say to you um yeah as usual i've seen everything for the weekend whatever you name it i've seen it um not really i saw yard and spellman and that's about it i'm sorry to the listeners by the way i know some of them have been complaining in the chat and all like oh Rob kelly hasn't seen anything again just like, kind of too long in the tooth and too long at this watching fight likes to be just watching some shit that doesn't excite me. So, uh, passing interest. Fuck the listeners, uh, Rob. Fuck the listeners. We don't this, do this for them. Who cares what they yeah. think? Fuck them. Um, fuck them ones. Hey, actually, anyone in Craggy Island tonight, by the way, leave your super <laughs> chat in there. Leave a few quid in it before you withdraw it. So, uh, <laughs> as, a team, as an avid listener, of the pod over the last few weeks we have super chat now so you can donate it's the price of a pint if you want to for all the tireless work that we put in week in week out and we thought we had a big fan base in the father's head community because we had father jack hackett we'd father's head we'd father dougal mcguire mrs doyle all the boys in donating the fire <laughs> until it goes time to collect the fucking thing and we, it's all withdrawn we, we, fire before you offend anybody we, we're not sure we're still not sure hey we're fucking sure just if you're in Craggy Island, leave the donation in there. You mean get you? Don't be fucking fine with our emotions like that. Um, quick, uh, Fedor Tudinov, my day, Fedor Tudinov, quick. All, all donations welcome. All jokes aside. Um, no, I saw Yard Spellman. Um, fucking hell, I don't want to go on. I don't. I don't want to go on a too negative thing about Anthony Yard because I think Anthony Yard has the potential to be a, a force and a bit of a name and make some money for himself. But I do think this Tunday thing is a lot of bullshit. I said that before. And all this fucking, all this visuals, like this shoulder. Where's he going with the shoulder roll? Like the wish version of the shoulder roll, as I said in the chat. Like absolute fucking. You could learn that on YouTube. And I'm not. I'm not being disrespectful. I'm really not trying to be disparaging about the kid. I do like Yard. Like, but that is absolutely serving him no purpose whatsoever in a fight situation. I mean, Spellman can't crack. But still caught him over the time, over the over the top a few times, and that is the key to beating that weak shoulder roll defense. If you're going to do it, you have to learn that from an expert. You can't learn it from a fella who learned it watching it on YouTube. And it's just, I, I don't know, man. I just, I, mean, I could be too critical of him. I mean, he did the job. Spellman looked like a punch bag by the time, by the fifth round, sixth round. He hung in there for the first few rounds. He can obviously crack very hard. He definitely hits hard at the yard. To me, he looks a bit top-heavy. He looks like he's a bit made wrong for a fighter. Uh, he's very kind of thin in the waist, wide up top. I think the gas tank is going to be an issue. He spat the mouthpiece out last night in the fifth, and I thought he was just buying himself a few seconds because after he had the little rest, he had a, bit, a kind of a spurt, a burst of energy, and put it on Spellman. And then in the next round, I thought the referee could have pulled Spellman out of there a couple of seconds earlier, to be honest with you, and spared him. He ended up taking the knee, and then 
was looking to continue and was a bit um, perturbed when the fight was stopped, but it was the correct call for me. Then afterwards, they know you got this Tunde goes in the ring and they, they have a little signature handshake that they're doing for the cameras and all. It's just reminding me today, I was, at a, I was at a fucking football match today, old fellas versus young fellas, and the young fellas had a new coach. And the coach was outside giving him the team talk outside the fucking dressing room, like for everyone to hear. It's just all this shit for the cameras. I can't st- stand it. Or maybe I'm just too old and too old school. But um, it should be about Anthony Ad every- anyway. So in terms of him, I think he's, uh, like I said, he, I think he has the potential to be a bit of a name, make a bit of money for himself. But in my opinion, he needs a, be- he needs a better coach. If he's going to do anything, he needs a better coach. And Boatsy is the only fight out there to make for him. I don't want to see him in it. I really don't want to see him in, it, in any other fight, like or these type of fights. You give him one, you give him a gimme coming off lockdown, as we say, to every, all the fighters are due one, so they want to be active and make money and take the fights that are available. But you got to make that Boatsy fight. You have to. Absolutely, mate, the Boatsy fight. Andy, we've already spoken about Yard, so let's get over to Russia then. I think we're all in agreement, aren't we? Umar Sadiq did himself proud, former guest yeah. on the pod. He boxed really well, used his advantages, just didn't have quite have that pop, that punch power to keep Chudinov honest and to go up and fight someone like Chudinov, who, as I'm reminded, is the better of the Chudinov brothers and to put in that type of a performance, running it so close. I think he might have even been a few rounds up on one of the cards. He did really well. Chudinov showed his experience, Andy, just ro- cranked up the pressure at the exact right times down the championship rounds just like a championship fighter does so fair play to both of them come out with a great credit especially Sadiq yeah I'm just trying to uh, scroll through something here I'm trying to find the, uh, the scorecards I think it was Bennett posted up the scorecards one of them had the uh, Umar was not quite white, a wee bit five rounds possibly yeah I think, something it? like that aye and he was, he was losing the other two I think is that right am I right saying that I'm not sure I only saw the five round one I'm not sure about the other two but uh, he, he, boxed, he boxed really well. It's just a shame he's just not got that dig. If he had that dig, um, it could have been a different matter. But he was never stopping tuning off, to be honest with you. Especially this tuning off. You know, this this guy, this was the one that I'm sure Grove has beat the hell out of. Um, Dimitri's the one that Eubank, I think, destroyed up and, and you know, basically begged the referee to stop the fight. Um, you just didn't stop that guy. And it would have been a, a, a tall ask. And it looks like the way it was going to go in the cards, that looks like he was going to lose by you know possible split. But... Um, if he'd won, you know, he'd have put himself right in the shop window. Um, just a wee bit inexperienced at this age and that as well. I just wonder, you know, you know there's no disgrace in it, shall we say, but he's definitely got, got a run in him at definitely a domestic level, I think. If he just gets the right fights at the right time and stuff, you know, Boatsy is no fighting anybody and stuff. Um, who's the British champion again up there at Light Heavy? Is it Boatsy still? Uh, Buatsi beat Conroy, didn't he? That was a while ago now. He went on to fight forward after that, unless he's vacated it. Aussie, British champion at light heavyweight off the top of your head? I thought it was Buatsi. Yeah, it must be still Buatsi. Oh, Shaq and Pitters. Shaq and Pitters. He fought Sugden, didn't he? Yeah, he did Pitters, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's fighting Craig Richards as his mandatory in November on Channel 5. Right. You stay, I mean, obviously coming off a loss, it might not get a fight for the British, but um, you know, if he's uh, if it's if it's still Pitters and that, you know, Channel Five, it's a decent wee signature payday from getting back on television. Definitely wasn't as great, shall we say, and stuff. So um, at least we, we we know he, he can he hold himself at a kind of certain. Really on about Sadiq though. Eh? Sadiq's, a, Sadiq's a super middle. So Lerone Richards is the. Um, so actually, like heavy. Eh? Who is super middleweight then? Is it still yeah, Lerone Richards is the um, is the British champion, and he had a fight arranged with Richards. Not remember Frank Warren announced it as one of the headline events, mm. and then Richards 
had to pull out and couldn't fulfil the date because his partner was due to give birth to their child on the date of the fight. Mm. And then it was being mooted about re being rearranged and then it, it just couldn't get a date and I don't know why. And then there was talk of um, th this random like, opportunity with Chudinov appeared and I'm guessing that basically, I don't know if, you know, I don't know if there's things happening behind the scenes with Richards. Um, obviously, since Sam Jones got involved with him from a managerial perspective, he pulled him away from Al Smith as a trainer, sent him up to Caldwell. I wonder if he's going to end up making the jump to Matchroom, and that's why they've potentially not given Richards the... Um, yeah, they've not given Richards this opportunity. Therefore, this chance has come up for Ch uh, Sadiq to go to Russia, and Sadiq... Uh, basically says I'll fight anybody and has taken the opportunity himself. But he certainly showed he can operate at domestic level uh, at 168 without a doubt. Um, for two weeks' notice, I mean, he's always in good shape, but naturally when you're not training for that sort of, you know, like A, opponent and B, fight, there's only so much you can have. Uh, I mean, I think he was up on one card by about seven rounds, six rounds, which mm. I was shocked. And the other two were close as well. Um, and look, people were saying that he needs to knock him out in Russia to get the win. Well, well, clearly not. Clearly, he doesn't need to do that because you know that, that I thought the card to him was quite wide. Actually, um, I thought he was. It was. It was close. It was closer. Um, you know, two or three round, two rounds either way type of thing. But just pulled up the rankings. Now we can naturally forget about the likes of Smith, Saunders, Ryder. But I tell you what, I'd give Sadiq every chance of beating Rocky Fielding. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if Martin Murray's still boxing, but Martin Murray, great fight again. Uh, Richards, naturally, we'd want to see that. And and I think Richards has been one that's flattered to deceive, really, at the moment. You know, like, he talks the big game and stuff, but, you know, it, when, you you know, it's a close fight with, like, the likes of Lennox Clark and you're on about all about the skills... Do they think he's better than he is? We're still waiting for that big breakout performance. Uh, fight with Tommy Lankford, ex-British champion. Um, again, you'd favour Sadiq in that. It's not massively deep, uh, 168. Domestically, you've got Willie Hutchinson coming through us with Frank Warren as well. Yeah. Um, Sadiq could probably have a bit too much for Hutchinson at the moment, just on calibre of fighters that he's boxed. Yeah, Hutchinson's in dire need of a step up. Um, I've no doubt that maybe, you know, like in 18 months' time and Hutchinson's box better opponents. He might what then wait, What weight is that going to happen? Because Hutchinson's a little heavy, you know? No, nah, he's not. He's gone down to 168. He's he? going to stay in there for now. Yeah. Mm. Uh, you've got, he's already, uh, Sadiq has beat, um, beat Cody Davis already. You've got Zach Chelly, um, who was who boxed on that matchroom show. Cullen, yeah. Yeah, Jack Cullen. There's fights there to be made that actually, you know, like looking at it, it's, it's not massively deep, you know, like in terms of, you remove the, the big three, if you were to say, in Smith, Saunders and Ryder. And after that, you would probably fancy Sadiq against any of them, really. Um, and look, I always say records are for DJs and a loss can do more good at times than bad. And I certainly think this defeat, whilst he got beaten against Fedor Chudinov, his stock has certainly rose. And more people are talking about and are acknowledging now that he's better or he's above British level. Whereas, you know, if you bang out, you know, like a you know, like a poor British opponent, 
we were we said ourselves, what's the point in it? What's that really done for him? He's took a chance, has come short, but overall his stock's risen. Um, we'll learn loads from it, absolutely loads. Because Chudinov's no mug. He's no mug. Uh, he's, don't get me, he's not uh, an elite 168, but he, he's a solid, you know, like fringe world level opponent. And, and as we said, it's a, a more than commendable effort that on two, three weeks notice, he's gone there, won rounds convincingly. And ultimately it was just, he was just shattered towards the end. Um, Chudinov used his years of experience, which Sadiq hasn't got. Uh, but there's lots to like about him. Um, and I've no doubt Frank Warren will certainly give him the opportunities again um, because you want fighters that want to fight people and, and Umar Sadiq is one of those. I'd, maybe, I'd like to match him with someone like maybe, I think we can forget Zach Parker because he's bizarrely in a, a final eliminator for the WBO, which would make him mandatory for <laughs> Billy Joe Sword. Yeah, honestly, yeah. Yeah, he, he's in a final eliminator for that. I'm sure he is. So, yeah, I'd like to see potentially for Sadiq the Richards fight, Rocky Fielding, Martin Murray. Um, Richards is definitely the preference as the British champion. But after that, the likes of Murray, Fielding, Langford, Sadiq has certainly got the beating of those, in my opinion. You just yeah, wonder as well, Oz. Sorry, Steve, when you go. No, go ahead. Okay. I was just going to say, Oz, I mean, the other thing as well is, I mean, we mentioned the last couple of weeks, I mean, there's been some fighters having to come through in the last couple of fights, no looking good. For example, Ramirez. Yeah. Um, there was a fight there last week. Who was the other one, Steve? Who were fighting last week? There didn't look too good. Too good. Oh, I can't remember, Andy. To be honest, <laughs> doesn't matter anyway. But you just wonder as well as you know, if, if they're not getting the proper sparring and stuff like that. So if Sadiq had a, maybe had a proper camp, proper sparring partners and stuff, get the right type of sparring partner to fight tune off and stuff. You still know with the, with the restrictions going on with the gyms and stuff. Yeah, get the, get the right preparation. Uh, but it's still more more than a commendable effort what you put up. Exactly that, exactly that. And, and look, and as we keep saying, he's took an opportunity, the common saying, dared to be great type of thing, but has come short. But I tell you what, more people are talking about him now than what he would have done, you know, for fighting Lerone Richards. So it, it was well worth the risk. Um, and like we say, um, I think a lot more people will be tuning into his next fight than what they would have done, you know, if it was potentially against Richards or, you know, somebody else. So, yeah, um, I'd like to see him again off a full camp, can clearly box. Just a shame he can't dig. That's probably, it's not a criticism because, you know, you, you can't help that. But I always think you will only get to a certain level um, and you, you need that bit of power just to keep people off you or just to worry people. Uh, and it's a shame Sadiq doesn't have that. But he's clearly got skills and there's lots to like about him. Herring was the other one I was thinking about. Steve. Yeah, I'll just say... I'll just say quickly, Andy, on Sadiq, I was going to say, I think he should be rewarded for what he's done. You know, the fact he put his unbeaten record on the line against another guy like Chelly, the fact that he then went and fought Cody Davis, he went over to Russia to fight Chudinov. I don't want people to say, oh, he's got two losses, he's done this and that. I think he should. they should look at it and say that he should be rewarded for taking those risks and putting up such a good opportunity. Go on, go ahead, Absolutely, yeah. on you go as well. But as it says, you know, if 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 you are a trainer or a manager, a young fighter who you've got high hopes for and stuff, and you want to be, you know, get a, a wee bit of seasoning, get rounds, you're going to look at Umar Sadiq off those last last couple of fights, and you're going to say to yourself, mm, maybe leave that a couple, maybe another another year, maybe, uh, you know, we'll be we'll be get you know, get a wee bit older. Um, you just never know. But um, as it says, he's, he's he's just got that attitude. He's, he's going to come. He's going to fight. Um, and he's going to go rounds as well. That's uh, that's one thing. He's just a game, just desperate and uh, unlucky, just be uh, in the end there. 
Uh, Danny Williams, Andy, did you want to have a quick word about him? Career goes yeah, on. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it does go on. Yeah, I suppose we've got another, we've got another payday somewhere and stuff. But uh, just, just on the opponent, that's Sergey Karatanov. Um, he's he's a kickboxing champion. He fought in Bellator, fought in Pride back in the day and stuff. So, um, you know, it's his professional boxing debut. He actually fought, I think he fought Hergovic in the World Boxing Series, and he fought, um, he fought another kind of top, uh, top pro. Um, give me a second if you can pull this up actually um, try to see who it was it was actually quite a top name it's an amateur boxer uh, uh, Hellenius um, who's potentially going to get a world title fight shortly but um, yeah it's, I mean, that guy's 40 year old he's in tow with uh, that guy that Russian guy um, forget who he is and that but the way they were celebrating and stuff it was like this this great you know, arrival but um, sad to see man because there was nothing really on that shot. I don't think that that Saint Williams away across the, the the ring like a like like a wino. It was just like it was like kind of a left hook type shot. It, it didn't look like it landed with full force. And Williams is just in a, a kind of like staggered state. He's going to call it a day. Someone you know again, as I say, someone needs to step in and just say to him, you know, please just stop. But if he's got if he's got overheads to pay and stuff, then that's that's his business. And uh, who are we to say that a man can't make money for his kids and stuff like that in the day, you know? So, you know, it is what it is, I suppose. It's a difficult one. You are listening to episode 390 of the Boxing Asylum Nutters podcast. Andy Patterson's there. Aussie Smith, Rob Kelly alongside me, Steve. Plenty going on in the chat that seem to be enjoying themselves, which is the main thing. Danny Williams soldiers on. Hopefully we won't see him in a ring again soon, but no doubt we will. We'll be going to Kavalowskis and uh, Joet Gonzalez shortly with Andy. Before we do so, Rob... Sam Chatwin, friend of the pod, sent in a question over on patreon.com forward slash boxing asylum. Have you ever known a fighter, Rob, to do so much media after a brutal KO loss as Dillian White? He's everywhere, Rob, fronting up the cameras. He's old Dillian. Woohoo! Tough one, though, isn't it? Because like, we, as critics, if he disappears, then we're going to say there's no sign Dillian White. <laughs> Where's Dillian White? I tell you one thing if he'd have given as many interviews after he got popped. <laughs> Kids <laughs> Revax, we would have probably appreciated it a bit more. He was nowhere to be seen then, but he's been on the press run now. Like, um, yeah, the, 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 I think the listeners onto something there. Like, I mean, this guy, somebody put up a great tweet about us during the week. I don't know who it was. I want to give the guy credit, whoever he is. I'm sure Box on Twitter will let him know who he is anyway. It's, but um, he put up um, a tweet, um, edited together loads of clips. Of the Sky panel and the Sky machine post um, Pavekin's knockout of Dillian White, and it's just so agenda driven. Like, you got six or seven of them coming out Macklin, Nelson, all of them with this lucky punch narrative, and Dillian White was completely dominating. I don't think he was complete. Like, he had him down, he had him hurt, and Pavekin looked in trouble, but I don't think it was as dominant as they're saying, and it definitely wasn't as dominant as they're saying, and that lucky punch thing we already. You know, we've already dispelled that on here. There is no such thing as a lucky punch, especially from a fellow with that kind of a calibre. Um, so I think the result's going to be the same this time out, man. I don't think Dillian White... I think there's something up there in the camp as well. Like, I don't think that Caldwell um, and the young trainer thing works for him. Um, I think he needs... A, a, I think he needs Tibbs or a guy of a, that kind of ilk um, working with him. I don't I don't see... The way it's said at the moment is they're talking about the rematch for the end of the year. And the part of this press run was they got to get Dillian out. they got to get people clamouring for this rematch because they have to get him back into this mandatory thing to put off the fucking Tyson 
uh, AJ thing. And that's not guaranteed either. Tyson Fury has to beat Deontay Wilder. Like, everybody, everybody is certain that Fury's going to win and he is the favourite, but that's not a gimme. A fight against Deontay Wilder is never a gimme. So, this could all be for nothing. He could get this rematch and then fucking, you know, th- there could be another rematch clause for a fourth Fury Wilder fight. Who knows? Like, but it's all been done very purposely. This, you know, he's given his IFL interviews. Um, seems to be a lot of kind of coordinated drops there from that side of the road at the moment. Um, in terms of in terms of interviews and stuff, we probably get to that in value of the week. But um, yeah, like I said, fucking, we're 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 getting this ram down our neck that this Dillian White now has been unfortunate. You know, he waited a thousand days for his mandatory shot. His shot should have had the shot from for the world title, but was hit with a lucky punch from the gods um, by Alexander Povetkin and now we have to see it again but as I said at the point I was getting to I think I think uh, Povetkin is a favourite in the rematch I think and he might he might do it earlier Ozzy quick one from you on this situation Tony Bellew was going the lucky punch route so was Johnny Nelson Nelson has since come out and apologised a grovelling apology has he seen sense or has Grandmaster Bean laid down the law it's disrespectful to a fighter of Povetkin's caliber, um, you know, to say it, it, it's a lucky shot. That was a set-up shot. It's not as if, you know, he's like gone in with his eyes shut, you know, just swinging blind, you know, like gung-ho. I mean, the aim of boxing is to hit your opponent. So there's no luck in it. The shot was set up. White ended up two square on and got bang on the chin, lights out. To say it's a lucky shot is a disgrace. And it's this narrative. But the issue is, though, is people listen to it. Yeah, it was a lucky shot. It fucking was not. Povetkin tried, you know. He, he you set know, it up a few not, times. He did set it up a few times, yeah, and he just didn't execute it. But Dillian White is susceptible to being hit by an uppercut. I think Joshua knocked him out with the uppercut. I think Rivas knocked him down heavy with the uppercut. I think Parker might have landed a big uppercut on him. So it's nothing new. You don't know that. Unless you watch the fights, if you just go off what the comms say, you'll have it lucky. I mean, Adam Smith said it right when when he called the fight. Alexander Povetkin, the guy who's not won a round in the... You know, he's not come close to winning a round. Says who? The two Sky commentators, Adam Smith and Matthew Macklin, is garbage. Exactly. BT commentary was shit last night as well. I'm sick of it. it it's destroying fights. I like um, I like John Rowling. I think he's decent. But fuck me, in the Bentley Heffron fight, it was shocking. It's a case of Bentley will do the good work, and they pra- it's again they'll praise the chin of Heffron, landing shots, no acknowledgement of it. The commentary on both Sky and BT at the moment is horrendous. It's so one-sided. I mean, they must think they must think we're thick and. Like I say, I say it all the time, you're sat there and you think, right, am I reading this fight right? Because I'm seeing it completely different. But then you look online and it's people who I respect as well, you know, and they're seeing it the same way, say I am, or, you know, like Andy is or Steve or Rob type of thing. And you think, these commentators ain't got a fucking clue. And and what, what they always come out with is, you'd, you've never you're done that. You're, you're, yeah, you're a hater. You've not boxed at an elite level. You're not a pro. Therefore, basically, my opinion is more valid than yours. Utter bullshit. We've seen some of these scorecards turned in by ex-pros, you know, when there is, you know, on cold commentary. And they're embarrassing. Absolutely embarrassing. 
So it's it's this narrative of basically they're a pro, they're always right. It's a myth that it is a myth. The best commentary we, you get is on MTK because they're not aligned to a TV station. And when Box Nation was in its full flow, that was really good as well because they just call the fight as it is. They didn't have to, you know, if the home fight was getting beat, they'd call it. And if not, um, they'd call it fair type of thing. Now, the narrative pushed by the TV networks is so one-sided, it becomes unbearable. And you'd rather just turn it off and watch it on mute and just study the fight yourself rather than listening to people who, I wouldn't mind, Woodall's a knowledgeable guy, can analyse the fight well. But again, just he's so one-sided. It's You think, well, what's the point? Why should I listen to you? Same, um, That's what same, I think as well. Yeah, Mac- Macklin was excellent I- when he first came on the theme for Sky. Now, he's just a yes man. He's a yes man and a waste. He's, he's rubbish. Uh, yes. My opinion as a commentator is, is shite now because he's biased. And he openly admits the bias were going to be biased. Why? Big time. Oh, yeah. yeah, but that's the thing. That's the thing that frustrated me the most. Because you're looking at a guy like Macklin, being in there at a high level, fought for a world title, I think, three times, came up short, all right. But was always in a good fight and always gave a good account of himself and always tried to win fights and hung in there and dug in there and stuff. And then when you see him commentating on fellas who are doing the same and not giving him the credit for it, it's kind of galling. Like, and you're like, it's, it's becoming more obvious that Sky and BT now have a pre-written script that they're talking, they're having meetings in production and they're saying, yo, these are the house fighters. You speak about these guys. These are the money makers. I mean, look at it outside of AJ. Who's the only one that's a pay-per-view star now that's with Matchroom? Fight-by-fight deal basis albeit, but it's Dillian White. That's why we're getting all this fucking bullshit, because if nobody else that they can actually sling in a pay-per-view if uh, to back up AJ, like, and they've got dates to fill. So we have to see this um, spin go into effect immediately. And the other thing that really pisses me off is that Pavekin said in the immediate aftermath, I rehearsed that shot a hundred times in the gym. It's nice to see it come mm-hmm. off. We tried it. You know, he, he, he'd he been preparing to throw that punch, like, so to come out straight away and say it's a lucky punch and pull Dillian White and he'll be back and he'll learn from this and he'll be just, it's just so, and like Andy Lee, we love Andy, guest of the pod, friend of mine, like, when he was commentating on the Ryder fight, it was like he fucking, he was commentating on on Smith the whole night, like he wasn't mentioning anything that Ryder was doing, it's like yeah. it's making me wonder, yeah. are they being told in production, you guys have to tell the line, like, or else you're not going to be there, and I think as well, instrumental in his own downfall as he was. Pauly Malinazzi's a massive loss because Sky used to wheel him in for the big fights and he's brilliant at calling it as it is. Just exactly what's going on in the ring. No bullshit, no agenda. He'll just tell you everything that's happening in the ring as you're watching it, which is great. Like, But, you know, that's that's, Mal- that's not Sky's fault. That's Malinazzi's own fault that he's not around for that. Yeah, it is. It is. I'm, I'm, imagine punishing a commentator or a co-commentator and not using him because he calls the fight as it is and not sticking to a narrative. And these guys come under more stick, and it says it all now when even, you know, like the more casual supporters are even saying, you know, like... So an example was the the Shannon Courtney-Rachel Ball fight, where you were looking at... the Naturally, you had the few people bumming up to Courtney who, you know, like want to sniff her socks and stuff like that and obsessed with her. But even a lot of the casual, like supporters watching were saying what the fuck is this commentary about what is it about they're not acknowledging anything Ball is doing and I'm thinking there's thousands of people watching this we all can't be wrong can we we all can't be wrong 
naturally there's going to be you know a difference of view and stuff fine but we all can't be wrong and the narrative as rob said is too obvious i think they have meetings before going on show saying right x y and z are the home fighters we want you to focus on what these do regardless i mean unless they get knocked out in the first second round and they can't fix the fight and even then um, they'll probably praise the powers of recovery after the fight's been waved off. He's back on his feet now. Excellent powers of recovery type of thing. It's it's disrespectful to the other fighters. You know, the away... It, it said it all. Which Was it Macklin who said it when Crawler uh, got the... Rob, uh, robbed the Spanish lad of the of a win? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He deserved to be robbed. Well, it, it, it doesn't matter because Crawler's retiring. Fuck that. It does matter. A win for that guy there over a former world champion could do everything for his career. But instead, it's a case of it doesn't matter. Crawler's retiring. What a disgrace. If the shoe was on the other foot, there would be uproar. And I say it now. People were talking about, you know, Sadiq going to Russia and saying, you know, he needs to do everything he can to get a knockout. The UK, in my opinion, is the worst country uh, set of countries in boxing to get a result from in the away corner now. You have to do everything to get an, a, an away result because from the judges' cards we've seen, the commentary, everything is against you before you step in the ring. And I'd say now that it's literally, it is the worst country for it for in terms of home cooking because every week, every I'm, I'm literally going near, near enough, every week, we speak about poor cards and the bulk of the fights are in the UK. I think Andy just... it's always been like that Oz, as well with the referees and that. Like even going back, social media pumps it up a lot more and we, we speak a lot about, more about it in the real time now. But like I remember back in the day, even like watching Eubank and he, he head-butted Eubank Senior. This is he, um, he was fighting a, train, a guy that was being trained by Sugar Ray Leonard, a Canadian guy called Dan Sherry. And Sherry went around him, a la Lomachenko, and Eubank headbutted him back. Oh, back, back, back headbutted him, yeah, that's right. Back that. headbutted him, and then the fucking fighter goes down. Now the natural thing is to DQ him because if he can't continue, it's a fucking stop. It's a stoppage, and the, ref, the referee went to the card. Eubank won, so he should have been disqualified. They were like, "Oh fucker, we just ripped the rule book up," and he goes to the card and he wins. And like the British stoppage, Jesus Christ, how many times have we seen that over the years? Like. Fella barely touches down. That's it. It's all over. But in, ter in terms of commentary, um, when you mentioned Box Nation, I think this was a Box Nation card. I don't know. My memory's a little bit hazy, but I think 99% it was a Box Nation card. But I loved at the time the way the commentator, I think it was Rawling actually, or Hall maybe. Um, it was Amir Khan versus Danny Garcia. And the whole Khan was dazzling in the first four rounds. And the commentators is when he really get this opportunity to fight Floyd Mayweather. Is he the one who can defuse Floyd Mayweather? Gets knocked out and he goes after straight away. Where does he go from here? Floyd Mayweather, no chance. <laughs> I think, Andy, just as you were coming in there, what I would say is they need some kind of balance as well. I mean, I hear people saying, oh, you know, you have to get ex-fighters. They know it. They've been there. And, and I think they do offer a lot. But I like the Lennox Lewis Goosen dynamic on PBC because like you can have Lennox Lewis in he has been there and done it and he's, you know he knows from a perspective about 
feeling punches and what you need to do in certain strategic situations. But there's no point in getting him in there when you've got like a six round flyweight fight between Japanese guys, two Japanese guys on. You need like a journalist at that point who knows the fighters and can offer that context. So I think you need some kind of a balance between the knowledgeable guys in the ring and the knowledgeable guys out the ring too. Well, how about just do it, you know, what actually happens naturally in the ring? Call what happens. I mean, look, I think Christina Pontius quite good at what she does. You know, she just calls what she sees happening in the ring and stuff. You know, so that's all you can ask. Or just like, I was listening to ESPN last night, for example. I think it was the, I think it was the Kavalowski's fight. They, they spoke for the entire second round of that fight calling fuck all of it. All they did was speak about Crawford, the situations and all that sort of stuff, training purposes and all that stuff. And then Kriegel came in. I'm like, oh, story time with Kriegel. Here we go. There was not an ounce of chat or, or, or technical breakdown as to you know, how that jab was thrown. What was he trying to set up there? Not not a stitch. And I like uh, that Bernardo Asuno and stuff like that, but he's not a lead commentator for me. Tessitore's got his, got his moments and stuff, but it just, just stop talking so much. Just stop trying to fill the airtime. And just look... Just let something happen naturally, because what's happening, we see it happen in the sky and stuff, you'll see a good body shot land for the, the B-side, it doesn't get mentioned on, on, on league commentary, but everything coming back gets mentioned, and it, it gets amplified, but nothing's coming back for, you know, what the opponent does well, or right hand the body and stuff, it just gets totally dis- disregarded. Um, I see Lewis and and uh, Goosen, you know, they've got their fans, they get their critics and that as well, I think they're okay. Um, but it's, you know, there's no happy medium. As I say, I've said before, they're pushing their own narrative, their own networks and stuff. But as I say, just just call it as you see it, and just stop talking all the time. Just 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 be silent, like like the old days. Just let the fight happen, and if something happens, call it and just start talking about it, and just let just, just let it kind of flow, basically. Um, obviously, things have times have changed. They need to, they need to do this, they need to do that, whatever. That, but it's tiring. It's boring as fuck. And just listen to Bellew, Macklin, and Nelson this week. Actually, you know, especially Nelson kind of coming out having to apologise as well. I mean, that that, that alone to me tells there's there's been words hard uh, behind the scenes that they they double down to say that. It was a lucky punch. As Spiddle says last week, that was 30 years in the making, that lucky punch. And then he fucking landed right out of the blue, an arsehole winder, when it really mattered. And uh, they come out, you know, Bellew as well. You know, Bellew was, was the one that calls us out. You know, calling us out, saying, look, you come to me, you speak to me. You know, once you've done, done it at my level, then you can talk to me and all that sort of stuff. Well, I'm sorry, Tony. Look, I've maybe never, never fought at your level, but I can see that the fact is that that shot was set up beautifully and you're still calling it a lucky punch. So what does that make me? Does that make me a hater? Am I a troll? Or am I just not conforming to your fucking views and ideas that I'm a, as, as a company man? Right? Just just be honest with us. Because in the day as well, as, you know, I think as well, you know, the whole rigmarole, and we'll get to Dilly Payton Bill as, as, as well at some point, they're starting to see it. The, you know, the fans are starting to come through it. And the comments this week alone for Dylan White are starting to kind of like people saying, Sky are disgrace. And people are not calling it out and allowed to. You know, Johnny Nelson says, Matthew Macklin, Tony Bell, just in the last 10 days. And they're getting called out on it. So I think, um, and obviously Nelson's coming out having to apologise and that as well. So I think there's words, words been had, raining in a bit and stuff. But um, no, as I say, you know, if you look at that, that last uh, build up to, to the. Um, the fight camp for the uh, White Pavetkin. It was a fucking jolly. They're all playing cricket. They're all slapping the high tens, high fives. You know, they're all having, you know, G and T's and a bit of fucking strawberry pims and all that sort of stuff. It's just, you know, it's just, 
it's just job for the boys. So it is, and the girls, you know, as long as you kind of fit in. But um, no, it's just a joke, man. It's just the zone, well, dead zone, as you say, ESPN. We'll wait and see what Showtime kind of come up with over the next couple of weeks. They've got, they've got the cards starting again shortly. Sky are deplorable. BT are okay. I like, as Ozzy said, I like Woodall. But there is a, there is a, you know, he'll say it himself. I have watched amateurs and that, and when he commentates with, with Roland McIntosh, he's biased as fuck towards the, the British fighters. Always is biased. So there is that as well. So as I say, we've all got our biases, we've all got our, our favourite fighters and stuff. And it's just never going to, it doesn't matter. Fans, commentators and stuff like that, it's never going to, never going to happen. But as a, as a, as someone who's on lead television, main stream television, I think as a professional you've got to be neutral and just call it as you see it, and if you piss people off then so fucking be it, we should tell them the truth because Dylan White's not getting told the truth, clearly no, not after uh, this week's comments, there's nobody getting in his ear and telling him you know, look Dylan, just shut the fuck up mate just come out, own it, just say listen I've got to figure a suit for the rematch I've got caught with a good shot, but I've got to figure out how to make this better, and then that'll be it, people would just leave him alone you know, that bet there'd be no reason for Nelson to come out and to, to apologise. White's defused the whole situation. But no, doubles down. Oh, I was up fucking within three seconds at a punch landing. Fuck me, dude. You were giving gas in there and putting in the recovery position. <laughs> fucking Eddie Hearn shouting to his mom and dad to get you a fucking blanket and a fucking pillow. Just, you know, it's just a shambles, man. It's just a yeah. shambles. Yeah, I like I like TSPN the way they're sort of pretending to do neutral boxing news and stuff in between fights, and they have the big screen, and they're like, "Oh, Canelo is fighting with Oscar De La Hoya," gleefully announcing this news, and they show Canelo with a big, massive top rank sign right behind him on the screen and everything. Oh, they're just as bad with Christina Poncha. Uh, moving on, Ryan Deal was asking what the latest is on Naoya Inoue. He's fighting the Australian Jason Maloney in the bubble, Ryan, on the thirty-first of October. Uh, Ryan was also um, proclaiming himself as a casual these days. He only tunes in for the big Pavetkin pay-per-views and the Effia Jagba greatest hits, which you'll be tuning into next week, no doubt, when 13-0 Effia Jagba makes his top-ranked debut on Saturday the 19th of September back in the bubble against Jonathan Rice. Jose Pedraza is also on that card against Javier Molina. Not going to bore you with that one, Rob, but what about Showtime? Andy mentioned earlier, Showtime back with a bang. Ericsson Lubin against Terrell Gosha, vacant WBC silver super welterweight title. If Lubin gets past him, He'll be having a shot at somebody, possibly one of the Charlos, who knows. Also, King Tug on the undercard against Kabaya Breed. He's seen a bit of him. He's like a cut-price Tevin Farmer, in case you're wondering, Rob. Also, Jerron Ennis, one of the more exciting prospects in the sport, goes in against Juan Carlos Abreu. I'm a bit of a Showtime fanboy, PBC as I am. I like that card. What about Lubin against Gosha? If Lubin's going to do anything with himself, he's going to have to beat Gosha, isn't he? Yeah, I think so. But... Okay, I'll give it. The, I'll put the lockdown factor into play as well. We've seen a lot of strange performances coming off lockdown with fellas going through the motions in fights where you think they should be doing better than. And I think it's going to be a bit of that. I don't. I think Lubin uh, is going to get past him, but I don't think he's going to do it emphatically. I think Gouch is going to hang in there and give him problems. King Tug. I know many fellas in Wexford who will give that fella a run for his nickname. Um, and Jerome Ennis, I like the look of him so far, but I could do without the tassels and all. I think you're kind of setting yourself up for a fall with all that shit, like, sometimes with these fighters. Like, I mean, it looks great when you're beating nobody, you know what I mean? All this fucking matador stuff with the with the tassels and the flash and all that. He's a bit of that, like, isn't he? I think he's mocking, mocking some opponents in the ring as well. I've seen him. I don't like that. Like, So I'm not exactly... I, I think he's a good fighter, but I'm not, I haven't worn to him so far. Um, And it's going to be shit. Uh, commentary as well without Malinazi on Showtime. All oh, the Bernstein's pretty good, but um, 
fucking Maro, Maro on his own without Polly, I don't know, like, um, so, yeah, the commentary's not going to be great there, um, but it's not all right, Kyle, I suppose, fucking a whole home run of the middle, enough shit though, isn't it, really, like, for showtime, they, they're, they're in trouble as well, like, aren't they, to be putting on fights like that, who they got at the moment, like, on exclusive deals, Broner, you know what I mean, so, it's, uh, not good times for Showtime. They got Wilder still, but Wilder's not going to be fighting on on Showtime next either, is he? So, um, I don't know. Yeah, I have confidence in Uncle Al. I like es- I know Espinosa has his critics, but I think he's a smart boxing brain. Espinosa comes from a lawyer background as well. Worked in the game for a long time. I think he'll sort something out. Uh, final fight from the weekend, Andy. We haven't covered yet. Back in the bubble again. Seems like it's all going on there. Uh, Anthony Chavez. Shout out to him. Got a win over Adam Gonzalez. Manuel Flores. Beat Jonathan Rodriguez. Rodriguez is way too small for the weight. He got stopped in the fifth round. Um, Mariago against Gonzalez. I thought Gonzalez boxed pretty well, but it was it was one-way traffic. It was repetitive. It was like Groundhog Day round after round. Gonzalez did very well. Mariago was never going to get stopped. Gonzalez wasn't a hard enough puncher to stop him. We've already seen Gonzalez getting destroyed. Uh, well, not destroyed, but completely outclassed and outboxed by Shakur Stevenson. So we know his level. We know his ceiling. We knew this was going to be a rebuilding job for him. And also in the main event, Mentioned last week, Mikhail Zuski. I think he was doing well, possibly winning the fight against Kavalowskis. Uh, good work with the left hook, had the better footwork. But Kavalowskis caught him with that right uppercut. Talk, talk to me about that, Andy, that right uppercut he landed at the end of the seventh round. That was some shot, wasn't it? Yeah, it looked like uh, Zuski just kind of like, not so much stepped in it, but I suppose he did, but he kind of like stepped in, but also dropped the head at the same time. So, you know, probably got a bit more, you know, impact on the shot and stuff. Um, definitely looked out of it, and I suppose obviously it landed at the right time in that as well. And you know, come out like an old vet, I suppose. I suppose you know, even though it's got like, 20 odd fights, and just ends up within 10 seconds of the, the eighth round and stuff. You know, Zowski, who I said to you last week, I had never seen him before. So I watched one of his uh, fights during the week there, it was one of Crawford's undercard fights and stuff. They looked okay, he looked um, a good, a good punch, capable, yeah, switched it up of your head and body and stuff. So, um put on a, a, a good display actually just a wee bit of shame that he, he, you know, he got caught because he was up in the cards he was up, uh, up in two of the cards I believe oh, right, okay. 67, 65 so he'd obviously mm-hmm. put up a good showing and stuff so I, I reckon he'll maybe get more opportunities and stuff as I said he, he looks competent um, Gonzalez um, well I think he heard his dad in the corner and that kind of urging him to kind of pick up the pace and that and that's what he's, that's what he's done and I just think uh, in the end he's just he's just beat up Mariaga, didn't he? Um, he just kind of pushed him, pushing forward, swelled up his eyes and stuff, and landing the far heavier blows. And Mariaga just couldn't make the you know, adjustments defensively to kind of deal with it or even deal with any attack. And I think even what is it, 34, 35 now? I think that'll be his opportunity to kind of dry up now the kind of ESPN level and stuff. So um, I'm sure a few fans will be kind of glad to see that because he said, that, okay, I think he was meant to be fighting Shakur Stevenson at some point as well. And then the, the fight got called off because of the, the virus. Got, That's right. Uh, landed as well. So. That was right before the virus hit because Conlon yeah. was going to fight that week as well, wasn't it? Was it? I was an undercard, wasn't he? I'm sure he was. Well, obviously, I mean, he pushed Valdez all the way. And that, I mean, that was a few years ago now and then Lomachenko's made him pull out. But He's done nothing since then, really. And this, this was really his kind of ticket back to the big time and he just got dominated. So I think, basically, he's for here on in, unless he gets the right opponent at some point or he gets lucky, I think he's just going to take on the, the status now as a, probably a gatekeeper, maybe even a latter point German if he wants to, wants to keep going. 
Yeah, just before we go on to Belly of the Week, Sandy, just briefly going back to the Zuski fight, MB says Zuski never recovered from the first uppercut. I think Zuski yeah. was a little bit naive and maybe guilty of being a bit of a nice guy. If you notice, at the beginning of every round, Zuski came out, put his glove out to touch it every single round, and after he got dropped badly and hurt, and I think Kenny Bayliss was ready for stopping him, he got up at nine and a half, Bayliss had a look at him, the bell had already gone, so he gave him in between rounds. Zuski comes out in the eighth round, puts the glove out to touch gloves with Kavalowski's again. Kavalowski's He's like, fuck that. Just starts laying into him and completely batters him. I think Zuski was a bit naive. It was naive, but then he's Kavalowski knew himself actually. I mean, that was a crossroad fight for him, wasn't it? If he if he lost that, it was really yeah. it was a, it was a long road back. So uh, he's he's like, fuck you, man. No must have this guy. I'm just going to destroy you. <laughs> and um, in the end, it's a fucking fight. You know, you got to take every opportunity you can get. And if you see an opening, take it. I mean, we, we spoke about Dal Magani last week and stuff. You know, I, I like a wee bit. Uh, be a dirty fighter and that when he's thrown in the right hooks, but he's just fucking, he's just kind of like bringing the, the elbow in behind it, you know. So, yeah, I have no problem with that. Absolutely. Let's move on. We've talked about everything. I might throw a few questions in at the end if we've got time. Let's get on to the belly of the weeks and drop this in. Let's be totally and brutally honest here. Sean Corbin makes Valerie Brudov look like Ivan Drago. It's as simple as that. He's beat what's going in front of him tonight. He faces me. He's gonna visit mental demons again. And let's get let's get something straight. Come to me, mate. Come to me. Next time, ain't no judges gonna be needed. I'm gonna do worse than Kovalev. I am gonna do worse than Kovalev. Saturday night, mate, you better hold together. I'm gonna smash it near you to pieces, mate. I'm gonna hate him. When he gets in the ring and we get 10 ounce gloves on, I'm gonna smash his head to bits. I'm gonna do it November the 30th against all odds. No matter what people say, the journalists write what you want. All as I'll say is tune back in and then look at me on December the 1st when I am world champion. It's as simple as that. I'm willing to die in that ring. It's as simple as that. I am willing to die. I'm willing to die, Sathy. You fucking rat. There's Tony, everybody. You fucking rat. It's C. Sandy has been as we, as we move on to value of the weeks, I don't want to hear anything, by the way. Let's delay white wins it this week, and I don't want to hear any other nomination. That is an abomination he said that he said this week. <laughs> Billy White, Jesus, suffering Christ. Apparently, uh, Glenn McCrory is on the source, Andy. This is breaking oh, right. news, so that could be worth having a look over on Twitter if you're not busy. Buy that man a drink. Um, I'll go and have a wee swatch at that. Good old Glenn. While Andy's looking for Glenn, we'll get stuck into Belly of the Week. We had the first one thrown in by Andy Jones, but uh, the lawyers have got stuck in on this one, so I'm uh, I'm not going to read it out until we've had it fully checked. So I'll just put this screenshot up on the screen. So if you're not if you're listening on iTunes uh, or Apple Podcasts or SoundCloud or you're dropping likes, come on over to YouTube and you can see that one on the screen. Um, lawyers have got involved, so I'm not going to not going to read that one out. Uh, Dean Glover is the first nomination. Then uh, Billy Graham. Which of my fighters didn't quite achieve what I think they could have? Uh, Paul Smith Jr. had a great career, says Billy, and I love him as a lad. I think he could have knocked people out at world level. I think I take a lot of blame for that, says Billy Graham. Uh, next one is nominated from Dominic, talking about the old Frampton McGuigan situation. Um, what, what's going on here then, Andy? Um, <laughs> i tell you what, Frampton may be 10-9 down after the first round, I think. The boys are in court arguing back and forward over, um, uh, what is it, tax and stuff. How's, how's it going in the courtroom from your observations? <laughs> I don't know, mate. <laughs> I, um, I'd rather keep out of this type of situation. But, uh, yeah, it's something to... Well, I say to you guys as well, I'm not wanting to get too much into detail, but after the Santa Cruz first fight, uh, press conference and stuff, uh, uh, 
question came up about the rematch and stuff, and Carol actually came out and says, oh, there's no rematch, and McGuigan came out straight away and says that there was. So, um, I don't think Carol's really been, you know, he's been full, he's been put in the no, shall we say, with certain situations. So, um, I don't want to say too much. Um, the figure is significant. Um, so, I can understand why there's four million reasons as to why this is going to get ugly. And there'll be a lot of shade getting thrown up with imagine. Um so yeah, we'll wait and see how it goes. But um yeah, that's it. I don't like it's it's still in court. We shouldn't really be commenting too much anyway because it's still a legal matter at the end of the We day. don't want to destroy the uh, court proceedings here, Andy on the yeah. asylum. Yeah, so a shout out to Ronnie Hussein. Um, coincidence, maybe, who knows, on this being in the belly of the weeks. Uh, Ronnie got married on Friday. Uh, congratulations. He's definitely punching above his weight. Belly of the week for you, Ronnie, I think, for getting married. Good luck to you. That's all I'm going to say, Andy. He's going to need it. <laughs> <laughs> An experienced man like yourself, Andy, you know, you have to you have to get stuck in and sort, sort it out, don't you? These women are all hard right. to handle. You got it, mate. You got it. Put your foot down my firm hand. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Kenny Wood has been nominated for Bellew of the Weeks. So nice one, Eddie Hearn, Frank Smith, and Matchroom Boxing, says Kenny. Uh, fit perfect, Matchroom Boxing t-shirt. Get the blue and grey ones out now. Bring out some jumpers, Eddie, and some hoodies for the winter, please. And then a little fist emoji. <laughs> yeah, who knows where that fist will be going. Uh, Thomas Stalker has been nominated from Gary Kavanagh. Uh, when his mind is in the right place, Dave Allen is a dangerous fighter. And his mind is definitely in the right place right now. The return of the Rhino, TBA soon. Can't get Aussie's view on that. He's jumped off the call, unfortunately. Uh, no consent boxing is nominated. Nigel Ben talking about the Idris Virgo fight. That was good to see you, my friend. I hope you spark him out good, says Nigel. Well, the fight took place about six days ago, so um, it went to point. Nigel, in case you're wondering. As Economics has nominated Ricky Hatton, celebrating mm-hmm. September the 11th which was the day he won his first fight, a KO against Kid McCauley back in 1997. Good old Ricky. Um, Tony Bellew has been nominated by Trading Leather Boxing. Uh, live on TalkSport now, Alan Brazil currently holding him hostage to talk about Everton. Uh, Dan Desmond Properties, this is our friend Des, over on Twitter, good lad is Des, nominated Clarissa Shields. The reason boxing doesn't get let women fight the same amount of time as the men, says Clarissa, is because the stats would embarrass some of its best fighters. They'd also see that some women are in better shape, have better stamina, and can get KOs just as the men. The comparison would make guys cry, says Clarissa. So she's letting things she never on shut Twitter. Up, like, she never have a fucking rest like Clarissa Sheen. Nobody gives a shit, man. About, that's not why the rounds are not three minutes, right? Whatever the reasons are, I don't know exactly what they are, but it's not because they're going to make male fans of the sport cry, right? Fucking hell, Clarissa Sheen. Nomination for Clarissa is there as well, coming in from Clarissa Rob. explains it all. Clarissa explains it all. That's a niche reference there. If you're old enough to remember that, that was a good show from back in the day. Andrew McCormick has nominated uh, DeZone, approving Callum, approved Callum Smith and Billy Joe Saunders for Canelo, but not as premium guys. Wanted to dramatically cut the licence fee. I'm told DeZone would consider De La Hoya, George Masvidal, and I'm not sure who the other one was, Andrew, because I've accidentally cut it off, but uh, suffice to say... We'll be that next... was. was it Maggot? Was it... Oh, my... no. <laughs> it, it's just... It, you've got that wee gimp, Frank Smith, and that saying, as, oh, they need to come up, keep up with us. We're just out with spendies, or... How's that working for you again? Arsehole. Evening, Frank. <laughs> Good evening, Edward. <laughs> evening, Edward. Evening, evening Frank. Ed. <laughs> <laughs> 
psychological clever sitol is nominated uh richard larty options on larty he couldn't get in the country to fight nathan gorman fight being pushed back andy this is right up your street david almond 86 on boxing scene dillian white i got dropped i wasn't yes. sparko i got up straight after discuss discuss i don't think there's that much to discuss mate discuss. to be honest <laughs> disgusted by the comments and stuff as i say i just i just say that there look if he come out and just says i go i go iced off it can happen you know day, you're fucking you're a trained professional fighter trained to knock people out right it happens just come out and own it and then people wouldn't give you shit but this is this is this is the stuff that people are talking about this delusional stuff right just own it but um yeah listen mate you were sparked you were on your back legs flat out right flat lined you seen Eddie shout to Barry in the cupboard, go get to the air cupboard, get me a blanket and a fucking pillow. You had the ambulance coming in with the oxygen mask. You were put in the recovery position. You were then sat up against the ropes like a fucking drunk in the streets looking for a fish supper. Right? And that was the sparkode. It was the sparkode. That is, that is intense as what it looks like to get knocked out. Because I think you know, Tistor called it right. Adam Smith called it right. Who's your uh, your man that Carol Franklin does the podcast with? Chris Lloyd. Chris Lloyd. They all called it. They all called it. They all called it the same. Knocked out, ruined, sparked. You know, it's just there's no other word to put it. You were iced. You were look, Dylan. You could have counted to like sixty. You were still one prepared to fight on. So own it. And it'd have been nothing, nothing, nothing would have been said, but no, you just double down on it. And the people who you've got behind you, allowing you to say that shit, should be saying to you quietly, Dylan, just shut the fuck up. Just shut up. You're just, you're ruining yourself. Maybe you're still concussed. Maybe you haven't seen it back, but Christ, dude, I mean, you should know it. You took an actual travel trip after that fucking left day. Uh, told you, Andy, he was knocked out that heavy. He had him putting the bins out on the Thursday, so you might as well lie here. Anyway, it's the green one this week, Dillian. Happy <laughs> 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 Rob Kelly's flying in with Craggy Island, Rob. Tom's dropped in a fiver, so is Father Jack Hackett. He says, girls, I'm sure that's something you can get on board with. Well, look, it's, I'm thinking it's very comparable to... This Super Chat carry-on is very comparable to the White Pavekin fight because... You think you're in total control and you've hit the jackpot and then you go to make the withdrawal and boom! <laughs> Everything is fucking out. There's nothing there anymore. It's complete darkness. So, yeah, tough at the top. Thanks, Father Jack Hacker, for the £5 donation. We look forward to spending that. And Tony on, Bellew. On drink. <laughs> what about Bellew, Andy? Bellew seems a million dollar punch. Right, and uh, and you knew it because he never celebrated like that before uh, uh, at a previous fight or a previous knockout. Well, Tony, it's, that's because he isn't at the end of his career back at the end days, who isn't fighting to save his career, just pulls off the knockout of the year, you know, potentially, to save his career, his world title aspirations. But no, it was a million dollar punch. He'd never celebrated like that. That's how you knew it was a million dollar punch. That's <laughs> <laughs> is that just, you just grab that out, like, oh, look how happy Pavekin is. He, he knew he was in the fucking trenches there. Like, he probably was. That's why he celebrated. He was. He'd been down twice in the previous round. It's not like he fucking, you know what I mean? But that's boxing. Like, don't be trying to rewrite the narrative. Like, fucking hell. Stop it! Stop, stop, stop the fake news! Stop!
I agree, Porky. I agree. <laughs> uh, Glenn McCrory has been nominated by Declan Graffin, not for tonight's ex- uh, escapades, but I'm going to go and have a look in a minute what Glenn's been up to. Ring me, Mike, says Glenn McCrory, below Mike Tyson on Twitter. He's a legend, Glenn. I love Glenn. Right to Pass Street. Official Dermo, Tim, has nominated <laughs> Dirk. <laughs> Dirk Stodgio. Uh, what's the fun in making a fight between two people in the same promotion, says Dirk, in response to the proposed Billy Joe Saunders Demetrius Andrade fight? You can't root for one or the other. We prefer matchups with someone from outside the promotion, says Dirk Stodgio, <laughs> supporting promoters here on a Sunday evening. Uh, Colin Simpson has nominated Tony Bellew. I've never seen Povetkin show emotion in 15 years. He screamed at the top of his voice when he hit White. He knows that's a one-in-a-lifetime punch. He'll never land a punch like that again, says Tony. Uh, LF Doom has nominated Bellew of the Week for anyone who had a bet on Ziani to beat Dilmagani on points last week. Fair shout-out, LF Doom. Fair shout-out. Uh, Frank Warren was on rare form last night. Uh, Dobson Boxbet has nominated Frank. Look at the length of his trousers. It's annoyed me all evening. I know Box Nation and Frank generally has had some tough years. He's clearly wearing children's clothes here nonetheless. I'll tell you what, Frank was all over the place last night, talking about people getting stopped who just lost on points, to calling Mark Heffron Tommy all the way through the interview, even though it was his dad mixing up Dubois and Yard. Frank's lost the plot, Andy, and I love it. We need more of him on the mic. <laughs> I'm, I'm not saying that. I can't afford a lawsuit. But um, I'm just trying to get this Tony Bellew video, by the way. What the fuck? I don't think I've deleted it, man. Fucking hell. No, on you go, mate. Sorry. No, I've not no, deleted it. I'll find it. I'll find it. A free Terry White, says Finton Stack. There's one from the past there. Uh, let's party like it to the Iraq war. Uh, send that one to my Twitter, Andy. I might be able to get that up for you. I can't <laughs> I can't, can't do it on the <laughs> can't do it on the stream yard chat. Uh, try it on my Twitter. Talking to Twitter, O'Hara Davis has been nominated for tweeting out O'Hara Davis, obviously tweet, uh, searching his own name, says Sam at Glas La Glas. Is that Sam Dorset, maybe? Might be under a new name. A nomination for Christina Poncha talking on the ESPN broadcast. This one's coming from me, by the way. She was announcing the fact there's a super cruiserweight division being considered by the WBC, and they are proposing Deontay Wilder versus Alexander Usyk for the first title bout, just in case those two guys haven't got anything else to do. Christina went on to say this was being reported in the UK's Sun newspaper. So, uh, Christina, (laughs) thanks for that. (laughs) The Sun, the the bastion of truth. The people that brought us Hillsborough. You know, Jesus suffered, man. The bastions of truth are fuckers, man. The sun. I wouldn't make my ass wet, man. <laughs> yeah, stick the fish and chips on that. Uh, Christina using it as a sauce. HP sauce, maybe. Uh, Andrew McCormick is nominated Odis Markovsky. Odis said, there was no one else to fight him. At least he's not ducking no one like Lomachenko. Who's he talking about, you might ask? Devin Haney, nonetheless. This is in response to a tweet from Matchroom. <laughs> Matchroom put out an on this day tweet, Andy. On this day in 2019, Devin Haney won the interim WBC world title in New York City, shattering Zor Abdullayev's orbital bone to end the fight in the fourth. I mean, I know we have on this days, you know, like say, I don't know, Penel Whitaker fought Chavez or uh, Alan Minto <laughs> or somebody, you know, Matthew Saad Mohammed won such and such. On this day back in 2019, Devil Haney got Devin, Devin Haney got emailed the uh, world title in New uh, York interim. There you go. The unified Gmail and <laughs> Yahoo.com champion. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. So- oh, dear. We'll all remember where we were when that happened. Nomination there from Andrew McCormick. 
Uh, Porky Russ is nominated. Uh, Matchroom Bots, Kevin Greaves, was tweeting out furiously. Any news on the fan attendance at the Dubois fight, Frank? And he, he put this like repeatedly below Frank Warren's Twitter, just one after another after another. So a suspected bot there. Also, a uh, nomination for Johnny Nelson about the Sky Sports bias. Already covered that one for you, Russ. Nomination again coming in from Russ for Coogan Cassius. Uh, for doing daily bollocks with his interviews. First of all, the Froch interview about Femi, where Froch said Joshua got beat. Uh, there was the private chat that Coogan filmed and put out. That was sneaky. The Mark Tibbs interview that Dylan told Coogan to take down. Uh, also, Shannon Courtney's interview, crying for a first loss, highlighting mental health, doing it on World Suicide Day, disabling the comments. I've done so many videos, and she is part of the matching court, blah, 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 says... A porky nomination for her. I think that's all the ones I've got, actually. I know a big front runner, Andy, this week was Dillian White for you. Yes. Any other nominations? Well, I sent you that one, mate, about the Matthew Macklin and uh, Tony Bellew comments on Twitter. This week. Okay, keep going and I'll bring that one up. Yep, no problem. So I'm going to ping up um, Idris Virgo. Um, he's been on for 100 grand. I think it got up to so be Stephen Goodwin. Uh, apparently, he made comments about Liam Williams and all that sort of stuff. So, Liam Williams responds, Fuck's sake, this clown's embarrassing himself badly. I'll go to his gym next week if he wants. And of course, Idris Virgo's nowhere to be seen for comments. So, <laughs> maybe his arse has collapsed. Liam, um, Liam Williams is trying to make a name of Idris Virgo, according to him. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he said. Like, these people are nobodies. Like, we've seen this before, man. Like, you're not as charismatic as even Prince Patel. So, that's. What is that telling you, man? Like this, this angle is not going to work for you. Like, I mean, you were on Love Island fucking two years ago. You're not even, you haven't even got a big following on the fucking social media, man. Relax, like, oh, that guy's unbearable. Has he not learned anything from O'Hara Davis? Two nominations for Thomas Triber for one for getting the the wrong announce, the wrong winner in the Ali fight, and for asking the people. To uh, for a moment silence for Alan Minter when there's no fucker in the actual arena. Um, that was that was you know a, a wee bit too early for that one actually, but you know still it still stands. Um, late one as well. I don't know if anybody's on Instagram and stuff, but I, I follow Sergey Kovalev. So he's Sergey Kovalev's away doing this thing today with his uh, youngest youngest son. It's like something like go ape. So you kind of like climb up the trees on a zip line and stuff, and you go across these assault courses and stuff. So uh, it gets to the zipline part, and the wee man's just not having it. He's not forgotten across the zipline, and he's fucking sh- screaming, he's welching, he's like sh- shrieking, it's not happening. Kovalev is like, you're fucking gone. It just fucking pushed him <laughs> straight down the line. And he's, the wee man's going down the fucking line, and you can hear, I don't know what Sergei's saying to him, but you can see the wee man head. I thought it was like Kevin McAllister and Home Alone heading for the treehouse, right out through the back end of it. Just, the speed he was going down it. But I, he kind of he, he got used to it in the end day, eh? so I thought Kovalev was a uh, top top parent there, just like fuck your fears, just go on with it. <laughs> just go to show you, just go to show you, Andy. You never know, you never know who you could bump into uh, at the zip line, and so you'd want to be careful what you say to fellas around the zip exactly. line. You never know who could be there. <laughs> I've got that ready, Andy. If you're ready now. Yeah, when you go, mate. That's, that's about the last one anyway. Okay, cheers, dude. Let's get on with this. And Andy sent in again via Sam. A week, and we're going to be biased every single week, the referees, because I'm literally landed the million dollar punch me, the punch of his career. And when, you know, you know, it's the punch of his career when he never responds like that and reacts when he wins like that. For a shot that would probably land out of every thousand times you threw it, it would land once. And then he gets caught with a lucky shot. And, and it was luck. 
I'm back clear together. Tell you what, Spencer Oliver looked like he's had a few there. <laughs> Some same mixed jobs for the boys, isn't it? So, you know, they're all a, they're all in it for a good time, barbecue and you know having you know speak the joint. Hanging, hanging around with hanging around with Anna Woolhouse. Yeah. Yeah, Chuck, who's getting stuck in the Anna Woolhouse chat? I think he's going to ditch George Judy at this rate. Uh, any nominations from you, Rob? Um. What's his fucking face is back at it this week? Um, Gary Russell Jr. Apparently oh, the beef is with Haney. I think he's clocked um, during lockdown that people only talk about this fellow when he opens his mouth um, because you don't see him in the ring. So I, I don't even want to go on a rant about him. He's just a painful little idiot, like, isn't he? Um, so apparently there's a fight deal in the work to fight Haney. So we get to see Haney and him fight each other at least. That might be a positive, but certainly not listening to Gary Russell Jr. Like he's painful, but yeah, no, just the the regular that that guy who edited that clip together was brilliant. Like we, you know, we we hear all the shit week in week out. We're talking about it, but to hear it all lined up there, like it's embarrassing. Like it's absolutely embarrassing. We got to be biased every single week. You know, it's it's like the time when Kell Brook beat Sean Porter. One of the cars, I think, was pretty. It was, it was a close fight, close scores. Uh, but one of the cars will be a bit wide, and uh, Nick Holland says, "Oh, we won't care about that." But it's because they're right. You know, they, their man won. That's the fucking end. Of, that's a that that is it. Billy Brit, Billy Brit. That's what it's all about. Okie dokie. Then who we're going to go for? Then Andy, who's Billy and White? Billy and White without question. <laughs> <laughs> without honestly, it was like it's not even as bad as Carol Froch blaming the you know the the volcano. It's not as bad as Carl Froch claiming you know two weeks after getting beat off Ward that it was a close fight. This is worse. This is beyond worse, by the way. In about a month's time, see by the end of the month, this will be this will be a, a um. I was up at the counter too, but the referee uh, waved me off. That's how it will be. I guarantee you. But the total, you talk about yard revisionism against Kovalev. This this whole knockout will be erased from memory by the time the rematch happens. I know historical revisionism class, isn't it? We go for Oga for Dillian White as well. Then Rob, uh, I take it it's going to be a threesome. Ud Ud for uh, Dillian baby thing this week. That's I, I'm delighted I came up with that just there. Baby thing. Brilliant. Brilliant stuff from Rappi Rob Kelly there. Episode maybe throw, 390. Maybe throw some other fibre there from Craggy Island for that original material. Absolutely. Father Dick Byrne is jumping in as we speak. Okay, congratulations, Dillian. Belly of the Week, episode 390. Let's do a bit of housekeeping before we finish up then. We'll be talking about Alan Minter very shortly before we do so. I was hoping to get Ozzy's opinion on this, but he has uh, left us. Uh, Saul Farrer's back on October the 30th, 2020. Ozzy, he tweet- still christened in New Gaffey. Is that crazy? Like, oh, I have to fucking jump off the pod before half night, you know what I mean? Still, oh. still getting busy in the new gaff, Ozzy. Doing oh, well boy. sexually on a roll oh, tonight. Absolutely, christening it like a prime Ronnie Hussein. Um, Sal Farah says, I will defend my national championship title of Bolivia for the full weights. I don't know what that means. Maybe he could be fighting at different weights on the same night. In the city of Santa Cruz de la Sierra, Bolivia, before the challenger challenge, Croceno Marco Kenny La, Vo- La Mole Viscara. In a fight to 12 rounds, 
Here are images from the press conference that was held at the Hotel Radisson, five stars, no doubt, from the city of St. Cruz. So, Saul, so um, good luck to him, I suppose. Uh, just before we move on, Andy, quick one for you from Ted Barrett. He threw it in last week. I don't know what your opinions are of this. Ted says, there's too many weights in boxing, Andy, as it is. If you had to get rid of a weight class, what would it be? Mine would be super flyweight, says Ted, as it is too easy for flyweights to fluctuate between the weights of superfly and fly or vice versa. Don't think it's needed. If you were to get rid of a weight class, what would it be, Andy? Heavyweight for the lols, maybe? <laughs> just, just one weight class. Um... Just get rid of one. Ted says super fly because you would generally probably get rid of the lower ones, wouldn't you? Because the fluctuations in weight are a lot less. Yeah, yeah I suppose. I mean, you've got like, you know, three, four pounds stuff. But, you know, any day, you know, these wee guys like five, two, five, three, and that, it is, um, it is a lot for them, actually, at the end of the day. I'm, I'm going to say. I'm probably going to go and go and say minimum weight. Actually, I think these guys could move up a couple of pounds. Was it three pounds? I think it's the one weight, the light flyweight. Minimum weight is the lowest of the low, isn't it? Yeah, Small it's the lowest low because it was, it was called way back in the paperweight, nat weight, flea weight, all that sort of stuff and that. So I just well, think straw weight and a straw weight as Straw weight, aye, basically straw weight, mini weight, and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, that's where Ricardo. I get rid of them little fuckers, man. Get rid of them. Get rid of them. Get them out of here, man. If you had the guys for 105 and 108 mixing in one weight class, that it would just, just expand it, you know, vastly. I think, you know, and they're, they're talking about okay, um, Cali was talking about series three for the world box super series and that, and you know, the, the hardcore, hardcore, like the, the beyond hardcore, are wanting like flyweight for the next series, and that's so we'll wait and see what happens. I'm not sure if it'll happen, to be honest. But anyway, there you go, Ted. That's that one answered. Yeah, final one then, Andy. We'll start with you. Go on to Rob as well. RIP Alan Minter died at the age of 69 after a battle with cancer, obviously before all of our time. But no doubt we've seen quite a few Alan Minter fights. Uh, fought in the Olympics 1972. Got robbed, by all accounts, of the uh, going on from the bronze medal. Had a bit of an inauspicious start to his pro career. Seen quite a few of his fights, especially the one against Marvin Hagler. I just want to address something. I know, uh, I'm pretty sure people know where I'm going to go with this. A lot of people I've noticed during the week have boiled Minter's whole career down to the issue before the Hagler Bombings. fight, obviously the yeah. racial slur. And I, and I think that is a huge detriment to Alan Minter. You know, I'm not going to go into virtue signaling and blah, blah, blah. But the fact it was like a sort of throwaway comment. Him and Hagler dealt with it afterwards. He apologised and all that. Uh, there was talk of Hagler apparently saying something similar to Kevin Finnegan that was never substantiated. I think to, uh, you know, when you think of Bernard Hopkins, for example, I think of the Felix Trinidad fight. I think of the Hoya fight. Never lose to a white boy. We know Devin Haney's come off with stuff like that. I think it's, I think it's bullshit, to be honest. Uh, to, you know, not to brush over it, but to make it just about that and nothing else. Like everyone who's put a thing out to Alan Minton, you see people in the comments going, oh, he was a racist. He was a... I think that's bollocks, to be honest, man. I'm, you know, and I'm, I'm not having that at all. I think Minter was a fantastic fighter and that should be dealt with separately, which I have done just there. Yeah, I think so as well, mate. And he didn't drop the N-bomb. He didn't use that. Um, so if people are saying that what Haney said wasn't racist recently and that, then what, ha what Minter says... Uh, ain't no black man going to beat me in that. How is that racist? So if you're going to give Henny a pass, I think uh, you can give Minter a pass as well. As I say, I think the, the man who made the comment to it, he was big enough to own up to it. He spoke to him face-to-face, -face, apologised. It was accepted. So I think the two people who were involved, if they want to sort it out, I think everybody else should just shut the fuck up because, uh, you know, as I say, at the end of the day, you know, he owned up to whatever it was and then the guys just dealt with it like men and that's just the way it was handled. 
Um, you know. I think you're right. Like, I think, uh, I mean, a fighter like Adam Minter, despite what he did in the ring, he could have been the biggest scumbag outside the ring. He wasn't. You know what I'm saying? It's like, we have to kind of learn to separate fighters. Person- like, you're looking for, if you're looking to be on the moral high ground, fighters are not where you should look like. Most of them are not come from good educational backgrounds. Most of them have rough times. They're not articulate guys. Sometimes they say wild shit, like it doesn't, you know what I mean? What do you think Jake LaMotta was calling Robinson? You know, you see him yeah. raging, but what were they calling him like? So does anybody think any different than Jake LaMotta? No, the people learn and grow and they're living a different time. Like, what were they calling Jake LaMotta as well? You know, they were, uh-huh. they were racist towards him back in the day as well, you know? Uh-huh. Of course, that's, that, they're fighters. Do you know what I mean? They're not role models. Well, they are role models, but they're not like, um, you know, you're, you're, you should be going to them for your moral guidance. So I think like, Best focused on on Minter's career, brilliant fighter, two wins against Fido and the Farmo, um, he can win against Emil Griffiths as well, a later version of Emil Griffiths. So, a tough fighter, got beat what by one of the lost his world title, one of the greatest middleweights ever. A lot of people have Marvin Hagler as the number two middleweight of all time, not for me, but he's up there, and a brilliant career. Rest in peace, Adam Minter. Yeah, well said. I think uh, undisputed middleweight champion, two-time European champion, two-time British champion. I, d- I just oh, wanted gosh. to mention. I just, I just felt it was worthy mentioning that because, like I say, not to overlook it or to excuse it or to say anything about it. Just acknowledge it. Okay, you know it's happened. Blah blah blah. But to, to like I said, to boil it down and say, oh, you can't celebrate it because of so. I think, I think it is bullshit to mention. And back in the ring, Andy. Obviously, the Antifermo thing and the controversy over the one judge gave it to Minter by like twelve rounds in the in a fifteen round fight, and then he came back and fought again against. Was it Mustafa Hamshow? I think before yeah. Sibson knocked him out in the final fight, and he was a classy fighter. Obviously. Obviously, he was uh, it was cuts was the big thing. Stopped yeah. eight times. Nine of his eight of his nine losses came through cuts. effectively from cuts, didn't they? Well, that's the thing. I mean, I, I think I mentioned to you guys maybe two months ago or whatever it was. Now, can you imagine? You know, if he didn't have if if the cut rule today was still in effect, because back then and it was an instant D, uh, TKO of, uh, loss. It didn't go at the cards. It was a, if you couldn't continue, that was it. You were stopped. Um, so I just wonder how many decisions he might have got. On the cards, if the if the if the new cut rule was in effect and stuff, but yeah, I mean, I actually had to go back and watch the Euro, uh, the Olympic fight against the German, the West German. I think it was it was helping West Germany actually. Yeah, um, Munich wasn't it? it? Was the year with the Romans and all? It was yeah. I um, with the Palestinians and stuff. But um, I heard the no, Black September. Uh, I heard the uh, it was either Cutridge or uh, Carpenter doing the commentary. They're going in that third round of that European, uh, so that that Olympic semi. He was apparently behind on the cards, according to the commentator at least. But Minter put a fucking beating on the German by it, dropped them, hammered them, and he still lost the fight on the card and stuff. Now, I understand getting dropped in the amateur fights and stuff doesn't automatically result in a point getting deducted of your card and stuff. So maybe that was an effect, but he, he beat him up in that third round. So just based off that third round, um, I've got to say, when I, he fought everybody as well. I mean, we could mention the, the Angelino uh, Giacopucci fight as well, where he went to uh, Italy, won the, the vacant European title. Unfortunately, Giacopucci uh, died after the fight. Um, what, a, what a knockout. He beat him up in the, in, in the 12th round, knocked him out. Uh, and the ringside doctor later up getting found guilty of manslaughter and got jailed for it as well. So, goes to America, beats uh, Antifermo, rematches him in the UK, beats him. Uh, the Hagler fight was beset with riots and stuff like that. It was it was pretty ugly scenes and stuff. But at this point, you know, Minter's had a, a you know, Minter retired 
the year I was born and stuff. So you know, I I can't really kind of talk too much in great detail about myself. I can only talk about the fights that I've seen and what I recall. You know, to beat Kevin Finnegan, I think it's three times it British Commonwealth European title fights, possibly. Sugar Ray Seals, who was an Olympic gold medalist. Uh, Emil Griffiths. Good, good fighter, Andy. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt you, Sugar Ray Seals. Remember, we yep. did um, punches from the past. Yep. Chris Finnegan, who was Kevin's brother, also a proper fighter against Bob Foster. Seals uh, featured in that one, I think. He did. Um, badly, bad eyesight in that as well. Um, he beat Emil Griffith, who I think it was his last fight of his career, actually. So you got to say you got to say as a faded, washed up version, uh, Emil Griffith by that point. And also he's been through the the situation where uh, um, I forget his name, the guy he killed at the minute. Uh, yeah, as he, he's he's out the ring for 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 a wee bit in that as well after after Hagler, um, and then he comes back that year. Loses two fights and retires. Now he was, as I say, he was he was a very very good fighter. Very hard puncher, liked a war, just propensity to, to cut and stuff. But um, I think he's Britain's last undisputed clear middleweight champion yeah, um, I would as be, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, since Kevin Vigan three times, fought a lot of good fighters in his time and stuff. Probably the only fighter as well to be, or well, only f- fighter to be disqualified along with his opponent at one point for no trying hard enough in the pro fight. So uh, they had a rematch as well. I think he won the rematch, I think. I might have lost. I can't remember off the top of my head. But So, uh, yeah, mate, listen, I, I, I didn't even know he was uh, seriously ill, actually. So that's maybe a wee bit of ignorance on my part. So um, RIP, uh, Alan Minter, um, absolute warrior. Um, and they'll be sadly missed. And uh, hopefully at some point, maybe, with him, he has uh, been Britain's last... Or England's last, what have you, what have your affiliation is to maybe get a statue doing in his uh, hometown of Sussex or whatever it was, wherever he was born. Um, because a uh, Olympic medalist, multiple time British, European champion, and a world title holder as well. So, you know, great career. RIP. Absolutely well said, Andy. Yep, Jim McDonald uh, just finally said, what's Chukwu's opinion on Minter? Jason Chukwu was actually the first person to uh, DM me about it with the old RIP, so Chukwu was well on board. Uh, thanks for the boys as well who've been on board tonight. Let's end the show, shall we? Episode 390. Thanks to rapping Rob Kelly. Andy Patterson, Ozzy Smith was with us as well. So was Stephen Lynch earlier in the show and Eggy Phil. Thanks to you for being in the chat, for listening during the week. Don't forget to give the thumbs up, thumbs down, you think we shit. Like, share. Follow us, not in real life. Do whatever you want. I've been Steve Wellings. We'll catch you all again for episode 391. Same time, same place, same place, same police. Who knows? <laughs> Depends what we come off with. Same place. Next week, a bye. Sports Social Podcast Network.